0: Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the US, but sometimes they venture out with everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual field work sneaking in some science lessons. They're sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn.
1: Justin. I'm the infamous Jay.
2: And today is a very special day. We have an amazing, well-accomplished guest here with us. A, fel-
1: uh, a fellow podcaster.
2: Oh, yeah. He's been doing it a lot longer than us. He's a lot better than us.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. I uh, agreed.
2: <laughs> you want to introduce him?
1: Uh, sure, on. yeah. Uh, we're here with Eric from the Uncomfortable Podcast. Eric S- S- Szilagyi. <laughs> Szilagyi. I'm going to say it right. Did I say it right, Eric? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Okay. Nice. Well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
2: So yes, Eric, uh, I was, I was on his show. When
3: was that? Mm, probably about five, maybe six episodes ago now. Okay. So what? Month and a half ago.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I shared my Bigfoot story. You guys all here have heard it. Uh, at least you've heard it all, and then probably parts of it about ten thousand times. <laughs> That's but, okay, though. Yeah. But, um, yes, Eric, will you please just tell us about your podcast?
3: I'd love to. Yes. Um, so it's, it's called Uncomfortable. Uh, you can find it anywhere. It's on Spotify, Apple, Overcast. All of the, all of the podcasters have it. Um, sometimes it's hard to find because there's a lot of variations of the word uncomfortable in podcasts. So generally, if you put uncomfortable followed by the name Eric. It'll come right up, and you'll see the, the black logo with the white lettering on it. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I started initially with podcasting. Um, I had a friend of mine who I coached football with for a local high school. And he was a sports broadcaster for high school sports. His dad was a famous uh, DJ in, in Niles, Michigan. And oh, nice. Around the, the radio station. And his dad was a bit of a personality for a small town. And um, so Rob and I, we started coaching together. And he, you know, I would pop in on his broadcast once in a while. And then he'd pull the plug on me because the FCC regulations. Right. All, all that, that, that fun stuff. <laughs> Or FAA or FCC, I don't know which one. one, one of them is, uh, radio and one of them is, uh, the airplanes, airplanes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so like during the pandemic, um, I think it was maybe mid May when the pandemic was first really kicking into full swing. Um, I, I went over to his, his garage and just went over to have a couple of beers and, you know, talk crap and, uh, I said, hey, man, you ever, you ever think, you know, you we've you got all the equipment for broadcasting. You ever think about doing a podcast? And he's like, you know, it's weird that you say that because I recorded about a 30-minute podcast I thought I was going to do. And he said, I listened back to it, and I didn't really care for it, so I never released it. And he's like, screw it, let's do it. And he literally went and got his uh, the old Behringer uh, soundboard and everything, We plugged in <laughs> a couple of headphones and uh mike's and we did our first one and uh we called it beyond sports with biggie and bob Hmm. and so it was is primarily designed just to be a a local podcast just to serve our uh the area where our kids went to school and yeah just just a real small you know we tried to we tried to stick with telling people to go out and support their um their local restaurants and everything like that, you know, throughout the pandemic, you know, at least once a week, make sure you're still ordering food out, pick it up, right, and, you know, take it back home and just trying to keep everybody in business. And, you know, we did a lot of stuff with the school. We had teachers on, we were talking about, you know, how they were going to navigate the pandemic once everybody got back into school and all that stuff. And we kind of picked up a, a pretty decent following for just being in that area.
1: Yeah. Just and, a local uh, podcast.
3: Yeah, and, you know, that's all we ever really wanted to do. It was just, I mean, he and I were, I'm not going to say we're pillars of the community, but we were fairly well-known because we were very active in in sports with our kids. We, you know, we were always at games. We were always uh, coaching in in some way, shape, or form. Um, So a lot of people knew us. And uh, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 episodes in, I wanted to do one on Bigfoot because it was beyond sports, right? Ah, so, <laughs> stretching that so beyond I wanted, out. I wanted I wanted to do one on Bigfoot, right? And uh, he's like, "Well, you're going to have to handle this because I don't have, I'm not. I don't know anything about this. It's all horse, you know." It, it ain't. So I did. I took care of everything and I got the guests lined up. And uh, I'm not going to mention who the guests were because they were part of a. A research group based out of Michigan hmm. and uh, the one gentleman had some really unkind words to say about me here fairly recently. So I'm not going to give him any time whatsoever. <laughs>
2: there you go. I wouldn't either.
3: But, but the conversation for that podcast went really well. And, and both of these guys were apparently really impressed with the amount of knowledge that I had on it. And Rob was sitting across the table from me, kind of, with his jaw open looking at me like, how do you know all this? (laughs) And and I'm like, dude, I've been, I've been looking at this stuff for over 40 years. You know, it's, I mean, if I didn't know something by now, I'm doing something wrong. (laughs) And, uh, so that episode, and then I had one a little bit later, he wasn't able to do the show. And I did one on my own and I got a hold of a paranormal group that was fairly local to us. And I interviewed one of their investigators and both of those shows were fairly well received. I got a couple of messages from people being like, Holy cow, I wasn't expecting this, but you know, it was great and blah, blah, blah. And that really gave me the itch. I, uh, I really wanted to do more shows like that. And, you know, I knew it wasn't his thing. Um, but it kind of, it kind of felt like I was trying to take a square peg and fit it in a round hole. Mm-hmm. Because you know what what I came up with was good, but it didn't really fit our show.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, uh, and he's a busy guy. You know, he, he coaches like three sports a year, and then he's a you know a marathon runner, and oh wow, you know, he, he's he's doing all kinds of stuff. So. There were. It was starting to get to the point where he he wasn't able to. You know, we weren't we weren't putting stuff out on a weekly basis. It'd be every two weeks, and it was every three weeks, and then it was every four weeks. Hmm. And then he's like, "Ah, let's just take some time off." Well, during that time, I had already purchased the uh, the Rodecaster Pro and some some good mics and some good headphones, and I'm like. Nah, I'm not sitting on this stuff. I'm still paying on it, you know. Right. Um. So I started putting pen to paper and and coming up with kind of the framework of how I wanted to do a podcast on paranormal. And you know, it wasn't ever it wasn't ever my goal to to strictly be Bigfoot or strictly be ghosts or anything like that. It was I pretty much wanted to cover fringe topics. You know, topics yep. that. Reside on the fringe of our reality. Yep, and uh, so I started. I started putting things together, and I got myself. Uh, I think I got myself three interviews, and I I was I kept telling myself I can't I can't put anything out until I have at least six or seven. <coughs> Excuse me, <laughs> because I didn't want to get caught for a week, not having fresh content. Right. Yep. So, I did that. I got—I think I got four of them in the bank, and it was just killing me. I really, I really <laughs> wanted to put it out. Just had that and, itch. Uh, yeah, I did, really bad, really badly. <laughs> and so I kept going back and I kept listening to the episodes that I've already done. And it wasn't a narcissistic thing. <laughs> it was trying to take a a, a non biased look or listen to what I was putting out Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and I would critique myself and it's like, Oh, I I say I'm too much. And yeah. And, um, you know, too much. So I'm like, I got to edit that stuff out. And then I started kind of recognizing things that I thought I was doing well. And the one thing was, I thought I had a catchy intro. I purposely designed the logo to be eye catching and you know, I felt like I was I felt like I was ready, but I still didn't have all those all those shows. And then I got a hold of a gentleman who I did not realize, but I had worked with at a I'm not gonna say where it was. <laughs> I worked I worked with him in a part-time capacity. Okay. And during my time there I was asked by the director of IT to, to go put a, um, a program on his computer in his, in his room. So I did that. And while I was installing it, I noticed that it was uh, something that was, like, really close to, akin to, uh, like, DVR software, right? Where it was, like, uh, would have several panels on it, like, where you were recording videos. So I got it on there and I couldn't get his computer to talk to the one at home, which is where he was wanting to migrate to. Hmm. So I told my boss, I said, Hey, everything's up and running. I said, I can't give him permission. You got to do it from your end so that you know he can get through the firewall to, to talk to his home computer. And he just kind of nonchalantly said, yeah, we've been having some problems at the house and. I just want to make sure that, you know, if something does happen and and the cameras kick on, I can view it here, you know, Uh, okay. 15 minutes away from the house. I want to be able to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's a great idea. So, and that was the end of it. Well, I stopped working at this facility. I went back to just having one job. Thank God. (laughs) Um, And uh, like three years later, I'm leaving a coach's meeting. And I was, I was heading to a a Bigfoot conference the next day. The meeting was running long. I was tired of talking about our loss. And I said, hey, I got to get out of here. I'm going to a Bigfoot conference. And I said it all out because I knew everybody would be like, hey, get out of here, you know, you crazy. Well, and they pretty much did. So I was walking <laughs> out. And then one of the coaches looks at me and he goes, hey, you need to talk to so-and-so. And I said, why? And he said, you need to talk to him. And I said, about what? And he says, call him. You need to talk to him. And I said, listen, I don't have time for this. You get a hold of him. If he wants to talk to me, have him call me. You know, I got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Well, next day I went to the Bigfoot conference, come back home later that night, and I get a message from this guy. And he starts telling me, um kind of really vaguely about he might have had an experience while he was hunting and he's not quite sure. And, um, so, you know, we started, we started having some, some text messages going back and forth. And as he, as he started to realize that I wasn't like going to make fun of him. Right. And I wasn't looking at this as, as something that was funny. He started to open up more and more and give me more information. Then he started sending me pictures that were footprints in the mud, footprints on dried strata, um, weird little he called them and the, he called them fences, and basically what it was was like a sapling tree that was broken. The tip of the tree was down at the ground and then along the along the broken part of it. Other limbs were stacked up against it, so it almost looked like a, like a picket fence. Hmm. And he sent me a picture of a pile of rocks, just like out in the middle of the woods, a pile of rocks that had obviously been dug out of the ground right there. But they were all, you know, maybe softball size, maybe a little bit smaller, some are maybe a little bit bigger, but nothing, nothing huge. But they all had been dug out of you could see where the ground had been disrupted, right? Right. Uh, and uh, so he showed me those pictures and I was like, okay, so you know, I see dark dirt and in, dark dirt in the in the pictures with the rocks. The mud is dark dirt, but the the ones that like the footprint was in the dried, dried crusty ground didn't look like it matched any of the other stuff he went on to tell me that the experience that he had at this property that had the mud, and the dark dirt was actually a hunting property that was on public land and that the dried strata um, pictures were taken from the backyard of his home. Oh, wow. And I was, I was like, I didn't, I wasn't understanding it, you know? Um, And so throughout, uh, and I'm not kidding you. Um, there probably was a good between phone conversations and text messages and emails. I probably, I probably invested maybe a good ten hours of of actual time conversing with this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I told him I'm, I'm doing a podcast, and I said I'd really love an opportunity to interview you and have you tell your story. I said I get the where he worked he was worried that people would find out who he was gotcha so so i said you know we can go with a a fake name i said you know my my audio processing i can i can adjust your voice so you sound disguised i said there's really no there's really no risk you know because i won't release your information and uh he said yeah Oh, that's awesome. And then, he, and then he invited me to his house to do it there in person. And two of his daughters were there as well. And his wife was there, and I think one of the daughter's boyfriends, but neither one of them... Oh, and his son. Um, those people, they didn't want to be a part of the interview. The dad and the two daughters, they wanted to talk. And we spent probably probably about two and a half hours altogether recording. And I, I edited some, um, there was some kind of, you know, how branch you branch off into conversation while you're in the midst of something. It oh, really wasn't yes. relevant to anything. Oh, absolutely. I, I got, I got rid of that, but <laughs> I kept the story intact as he told it. And, um, I ended up turning it into a two part episode and that's currently, that's my episode two and three.
1: Mm, okay. Um,
3: I re- I released them a little out of order uh, from from the other ones, but once I had this on tape, it was it was like this is this is big.
1: It, mm-hmm. Hot off the presses, you got to get yeah, this out. And,
3: That's a good story. You know, it was a it was an amazing account. Um, the thing that really struck me about it was uh, they're a fairly fairly religious family. Um, I think his dad was a a pastor of some sort, um, very salt of the earth, hunted his whole life. That's their, that's their big thing. They, they hunt, the family hunts, the daughters hunt, everybody hunts. Um, so deer season's a a big, a big deal for him. And, you know, the story basically started out with, uh, being out on that property uh, and, and this all you probably wondered why am I spending so much time on this, but this all plays into what we're going to end up talking about mm-hmm. a little bit later. little you know, I love it. Very I love cool it. Way. Um, so he goes on to tell me that on opening day, I think this was eight years ago now. Um, after having, I guess I jumped too far ahead of myself. <laughs> there was, uh, there was some time during the summer where they were working on that property to keep, uh, shooting lanes open uh, they were cutting cutting branches and stuff down to keep the shooting lanes open, and the area that they hunted was very swampy. So when they would find um, sizable limbs and, and and twigs, somebody's job was to go around and gather as much as they could, and then they would take it and they would line them around the outside edge of the, the swamp, so that they had uh, a substantial stepping area. You know, so they weren't mm-hmm. always sinking down in the mud. Oh, okay. And so, like, the, the picket fences that I told you that they were seeing, they would take those, those limbs and twigs and they would go put them alongside the edge of the, the swamp. And they would come back a couple days later, and now instead of one of those picket fences, now there were two or three of them. Hmm. Where there was additional saplings snapped off in the same direction with additional limbs laid up against some, you know, like, okay, maybe you didn't see this one. Now, you, now you got three of them. You got to
1: look at <laughs> You're right. Right. making the sign bigger.
3: Yeah. And, um, he said there was, uh, they were, they were working on a food plot out there as well. And one day they had, uh, they had just got into the area where the food plot was and they heard something, him and his daughter heard something, both daughters, I believe, uh, Crashing through the woods, making quite a, quite a ruckus as it was running off into the, into the woods. Uh, They thought it was odd, but you know, they thought it could have been a big, big deer or whatever. You know, there's no bear in this area, which remind me, I got to come back to that again later. (laughs) Yes. Because now, we have a note for that. Now apparently there are, (laughs) Um, as recently as a week ago. Oh, cool! A week ago, DNR and Michigan State Police both uh, reported and confirmed sightings of black bear in Lawton, Michigan, and in the area of Jones, Michigan, along Decatur Road, coming out of Decatur, which all kind of plays into everything else we're going to talk about. Mm. Um, so he he went on to tell me that his daughter was kind of making her rounds around this uh, food plot and she smelled something really funky and she looked over and she was standing behind beside a tree and on the tree there was a wet spot and she called her dad over and said, dad, come over here. What is this? So he walked over and there was basically a, a wet stream that, was running down the length of the tree trunk and it was foamy at the bottom at the, where it hit the ground. There was some foam and it stunk. Hmm. And he said he's five foot nine and he said, when he stood next to that tree, the, the wet spot started at eye level to him. And they determined that it was urine. That's
1: a big... what I was guessing. Yeah.
3: So, you know, either you got one hell of a stream going <laughs> to get up that high. Or, or your appendage is a lot higher than what most people are. Yeah, Right.
1: Um,
3: so he said at that point he got really a, a weirded out feeling. And he said he told both of his girls to basically just keep an eye out. And he finished doing what he was doing on the food plot, and then they scooted out of there. Uh, Once hunting season started, opening day, it was him, his father, his brother-in-law, and a family friend or cousin. I can't remember. Um, All four of them hunted that swamp together year in, year out. And they were basically, you know, like if you had a, if the swamp was a clock, they were at um, four o'clock Seven o'clock, eleven o'clock, and two o'clock. Okay. You know, so the swamp is more of an oval shape, Mm -hmm. and uh, if this makes any sense, you had two guys that were facing the swamp, and then the other two guys on the other side of the swamp had the backs, their backs to the swamp.
1: Okay. So
3: they were all facing in the same direction.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And at one point, once everybody was in their in their stands. Uh, the guy that I interviewed, his phone starts vibrating. And he looks at it and says, Dad. His dad gets on the phone and says, Hey, be careful. There's some dumbass that's out here walking around in a ghillie suit or something. And he's not using a flashlight. And he's walking right through the middle of the swamp. And the guy that I interviewed says, Dad, that's impossible. You know, we've been in that swamp. We've chased deer into that swamp. And in some places, it's up to your chest. There's no way you can just be walking through it. And he's like, listen, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm watching him right now, you know, and this is, you know, 530 in the morning. So it's, it's mm-hmm. dark and it's, you know, it's opening season. So it's, uh, early fall. And so then his phone starts buzzing again and he looks and now it's the brother-in-law who is across the other side of the pond. He says, dad, Joe's calling me. I got to take this call. And he takes a call and he's like, man, I don't know what's going on, but I got something that's splashing around in the swamp behind me, and it's coming up, and it's, you know, making all kinds of noises, and basically sounded like it was screaming at him. And So he's like, all All right. right. Well, his brother-in-law was a fireman, and always carried some kind of, like, really high-powered flashlight that he got from the fire department. He says, take your flashlight, spin around, and try to shine your light in the direction where you're hearing it, so I can kind of maybe get a visual on it. And he did, and he couldn't see anything. He said this kept going on for a while, and eventually it got around to the other side of the pond where the the fourth member of the hunting hunting party was. And at that point, he said the light was, it was starting to become daybreak. It was still, um, you know, it was was getting lighter, but it wasn't light enough that anything was really defined. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said he said you could almost see it better out of your peripheral vision than you could if you were looking at it straight straight hmm. on. You know, it was basically dusk, you know, and uh, or early dawn, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say. Um, and he said he saw this thing. He said first it it was stomping, and he he made the the comment that it was it was stomping like a little kid having a temper tantrum, <laughs> and. He said when it came into view, instead of ducking below a branch, it lifted its one arm up and, like, just in a full rotation from being above its head, came down like a karate chop. And with its forearm, it broke this four-inch branch off of a tree and continued walking, stomping.
4: Hmm.
3: And he said, flat out. It was hair covered. It was on two feet. It was walking like a man. And he said, when it stomped, he said, now, like I said, that whole area was swamp." He said, there were times where that ground would be so saturated that while he was in his tree stand, he could feel a deer walking. You could feel the vibrations from an, a deer mm-hmm. walking through that area. Mm, okay. And he said when this thing was stomping, he said you could feel the vibrations of it come up through the tree. Wow. He said he had a shotgun in his hand. He's Or, yeah, he had a shotgun in his hand and he had his phone in his other hand because he had just been talking to the brother-in-law. He said he never, ever crossed his mind to try to take a picture of it, film it, nothing. He said he was just sitting there in awe at what he saw. And he says as it came around after it broke that branch, it turned and it went right back into the wooded area and that was the last you saw of it. Wow. So, when I got that episode, <laughs> um then consequently then I got to talk to the daughters and the really the really bizarre thing of this is, you know, I was having a conversation with one of my listeners today through Messenger and they were asking me about the woo aspects and you know, mm-hmm. why do the scientists why do the scientists not ever um uh, you know, like, admit to the woo,
1: Acknowledge stuff. it at all.
3: And, you know, I mean, I, I get it. You know, you, you use science as a wall to lean on, and, you know, as long as you stick to the science, you've always got something that can back you up. You know, if you start talking about the woo stuff, there is no real science behind it. It all sounds crazy, and, you know, what do you do with that? You can you can sit there and argue for days about it. If you stick to the science...
4: mm mm-hmm.
3: You got something tangible. It makes... It tangible. makes, it makes you, you have you have a termination of a of a, of a conversation with science
1: mm-hmm.
3: because you have one guy that believes in science you got one guy that doesn't and the guy that believes in science is gonna say well science, science doesn't show that that's real so I don't want to talk about it um, you know mm-hmm. so right and, and I get that and I get that and I think for you know some of these uh, some of these personalities that are out there that stick to that science-based thought you know I, I as as frustrating as it is, I think it's I think it's uh, smart on their part not to to get involved with it. Yeah, it's um,
2: that, that safety crutch, like you were saying.
3: Yeah, you know. But for me, the woo is a super interesting thing, and I like to talk about it. But I don't talk about it a lot because of the same reason that they don't. I don't. There's no, there's no precedent for it. There's no, you know. Well, you can say, well, you know, octopuses can you know, communicate telepathically. <laughs> well, we don't know that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... Um, but the really weird thing about this was that so from the hunting property to their family home as the crow flies would be about 35 miles. Mm. And both daughters had experiences at their home. And the one daughter kept having dreams that were extremely vivid, extremely graphic. And they were basically dreams about these creatures. And other family members were not faring very well in these Mm -hmm. dreams. Oh, wow. And she, it, it was a, it was a very poignant, you know, Again, I got to go back to the fact I sat in front of these people at their home in mm-hmm. front of their dining room table. Mm-hmm. So the entire time I was talking to him, I was looking at his eyes. The entire time I was talking to both daughters, I was staring them right in the face. So mm-hmm. um, you know there there were no there were no tells as far as them you know bsing me at all. And in fact, there were a couple of times we had to take a break when I was talking to the daughters because they needed to take a break. You could tell that the emotion of what they were relating to me was starting to get to them. Mm-hmm. And so, the daughter that had the dreams, she basically, you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically was saying that it was her belief that they were letting her know that they knew she was out there and they were out there and they were messing with their stuff. Mm. Meaning when they were putting up their fences and their structures and moving the rock piles and all that stuff. And they were letting her know that she felt that they were letting her know that you come out to our place and mess with our stuff. Now, you know, we know where you're at and we can mess with your stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that's that's kind of a stretch, right? You know, that's 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 a. You know, what do you do with that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's no precedent for it. There's no right. science behind it. You know, this is just a, this is a teenage girl who's, you know, having dreams about, about to ask how something old they were. funky. Teen- yeah,
1: both teenagers, you said.
3: Uh, yeah, at the time that I, I think one might have been just 21 and the other one was okay. you know, 18. Oh, okay. Something like that. Okay. Um, but the interesting thing is that their homestead, like I said, being about 35 miles away from where they had their initial experiences. Um, their, their grandmother, the the guy that I interviewed, his mom, had come and spent the day with them and was in their kitchen looking out the back window into the backyard and she saw a large monkey walking across the back of their property. And she told the family about it. And so there was a big conversation there. (laughs) Right. And then when the the dad, on another day, when the dad had gone out to, I, I believe he went out to get the mail, the neighbor lady was getting her mail at the same time and said, Hey, did you happen to see the big monkey walking through my yard the other day? Oh... So what's really interesting about this is this is a small incorporated town. um, 30,000 people, maybe. Okay. It's got a, you know, it's got a downtown area. It's got band shelters along the river. It's got, you know, a courthouse. It's got, you know, it's a normal small town. It's not out in the middle of. BFE, it's not someplace where you know you're driving down a tree track to get to this town. This is this is, you know, right off nine thirty three. Mm, okay. And you know, for if if all the leaves are off the trees and you're standing in their front yard, you can probably see the Berrien County. Might want to edit that. Oh, it's okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, you can see the Berrien County Courthouse basically from their, their front yard. Okay. It's that, cl- that's, it's that close to being downtown. And the photographs that he sent me of the footprints in the dried strata were taken in his backyard.
1: So this thing's coming close to town.
3: Yeah, it's very close. To yeah, right. right. Yeah. But it's also very close to a, a river. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's very close to a lot of wooded area. And I mean, it, it's. If you were to see it, you'd say this is prime area. Other than how close it is to civilization, it's got everything there that it would need. It's got fresh water sources. It's got a route of travel. It's got plenty of uh, wooded area. So. You know, did, did these things, did this thing, these things, um, did they follow them
4: mm-hmm.
3: from, you know, from the hunting property, 35 miles away, were they able to track them back to their home? Is there some other method of communication where they were able to let ones that are already in this area know that hey you know i mean it's crazy right like
1: like walkie-talkie speak across long distance
3: it's when you say it out loud and you try to put sense to it it sounds crazy but i can tell you sitting there in front of that family and after after we were done recording and i I, i'm telling you i don't want to give everything away but Mm -hmm. i'm for your listeners um please go check out episode two and three Definitely. because there's some stuff that there's some stuff that happened to the daughters, uh, that, that'll just curl your toes, man. It's, oh. uh, I mean, she literally, one literally stood in front of the truck while she was getting ready to go to school and mm. it looked down into the cat, into the cab of the truck at her. Um, so if, if you want to hear a really good, a really good account that, you know, and the thing it is, when I was talking to him, Sometimes you know, like when you talk to people about Bigfoot, I don't know if you do this or not, but if if you use too many um, catchphrases, you know, yeah, like key terms, yeah, you know, we were we were out in the woods and we saw these structures and you know these we saw these rock pilings and
1: uh-huh. you know tree breaks uh,
3: stuff like that, tree breaks, you know, yeah, um, those those are those are danger words to me, depending on the type of person I'm talking to, right. If it's somebody who's portraying themselves as being uh, I didn't know anything about this until it happened. And then all of a sudden, I saw these structures, and <laughs> you know that that's like a that's yeah. a danger zone for me. Because mm-hmm. now I'm thinking, yeah, all right, you know you know you know more than you're telling. Yeah, right. And, yep. Yep. You know, what I was getting from this family, I wasn't getting any of those words. You know, he was. He, these things are like fences. They're like weird fences. They break these you know saplings off at an angle, and then they lengthen. You know, he wasn't using any of these words. Now he's either super super smart. And knew to stay away from that kind of stuff, or he's, you know, telling me the truth. And you know, when when I got ready, when we wrapped up the recording, and both of the daughters came over and hugged me and thanked me for letting them speak. Tell it,
1: yeah, get it off their chest, you know, really.
3: That that was to me that was a pretty amazing uh, moment, and it just solidified for me that they're telling the truth. Uh-huh. And you know, I got to talk to the mom and you know, like I said she didn't want to be a part of the recording, but you know, she basically said it was not it was not an easy thing to have to deal with the ramifications of your children being scared to death because of something that came to their home. Right. You know, and if I if I remember correctly, the one daughter ended up having they They got somebody to talk for or got somebody for her to talk to. Um, because literally every time she would sit down near a piece of paper, she was drawing red eyes. Uh, wow that's that's a lot. Now, I've told you a lot of the story,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but again, I would encourage anybody to go listen. If, you're, if you only ever listen to any episode of mine, <laughs> go listen to episode two and three. It is, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing account.
2: I have, and it's definitely, definitely worth it. It's,
1: but, and I haven't, and it's
2: an amazing thing.
1: Yeah, I'm I want to now. Now <laughs> yeah, I want to hear a lot. This is a great story. Like even though you're so, giving us like clip notes versions,
3: problems. but <laughs> so when I got to his house, I They have a weird, like, horseshoe-shaped uh, driveway, mm-hmm. but it goes around the back of the house instead of in the front of the house. Okay. And I pulled around, and I got to, like, the back of the house, and I, I sent him a text message. I said, I'm here. I'm parked in the back. Is that okay? And he responded with, I know. And I was oh. like, well, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? There wasn't anybody outside or anything. So when I got in, before we started the recording, he knew because... Those cameras? Oh, that I installed that software. Yeah, was the seven cameras that he put up around his property, and the three pressure plates that he put in his driveway and outside of his doors to set off the cameras. Wow! When these things were around, yeah. Now, That's amazing. Consequently, you know that was kind of like a holy crap moment for him because I was like. I installed that software for (laughs) you. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I had no idea it was because of this. And he's like, well, it wasn't because I I wasn't going around telling everybody. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, And I said, so my next question is, do you have any footage? And he said, once I put the cameras up, everything stopped.
4: Mm.
3: And I was like, No way. (laughs) You know, I mean, because, you know, I got a checklist in my head Mm -hmm. through this whole process. And, you know, it's just, he's put check marks in these boxes and I'm like, holy crap.
1: That's a a box we've checked off too. Uh, I think you had an experience, Justin, right? With uh, someone having problems at their property. And you said, put up like a, put something out there, like a battery or something.
2: Yeah, it was the batteries. Yeah, it did stop.
1: And it stopped?
2: Yeah. That was, yeah. Somebody local was having issues. Yeah. And they, they, could, they well, if you're running off of that theory, they can feel the, either the electromagnetic feel or something like that with it. Mm hmm. And it just puts them off. I mean, they know something's up.
1: Right, yeah. They're not dumb. <laughs> we yeah. don't know much no, about not. these things, but I can say that for they're certain. They're not dumb. They'd they're not a, dumb. They'd be in a cage if otherwise.
3: You know, so you know once i had that story in the can i i pretty much knew that it was going to be up to me to get the show out in front of people because what i had what i had as far as episodes were going they were good they mm-hmm. were solid shows they were they were interesting um i took a lot of i took a lot of pride in the uh, sound quality um, and in fact, you know, for the first six months I was doing it, a good number of people would contact me and be like, Hey, uh, just wanted to let you know, I've been listening to your show. I'm a musician by trade. And, you know, this is by far one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to just simply because you, your sound quality is so good. Oh, nice. So that was, that was, that was kind of verification that I spent money in. I spent it well, right? You know, I, reassuring. I got the, I got the mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and and I and I felt good about it. But you know, so that kind of leads me to you know all. <laughs> I don't know if you guys. I like your show because you, you don't take anything too seriously,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and you you have fun with what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know i i put I put myself in that. I put myself in that safe space kind of arena. I want people to feel that they can come talk to me, tell me their story, no matter what it is. I'm not going to laugh at them. I'm not going to poke jokes at them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to um, talk them into a corner, you know, that they can't get out of. Um, everybody has a reason behind why they need to tell what they need to tell. Yep. And so I, I, I admire you guys for being able to have, fun and and do your thing the way you do it because you know well we hung out together at the Ohio bigfoot conference you know my personality Mm i you know i like to have a lot of fun yeah but when i do this i take it seriously and i don't know sometimes it's nice to be able to cut loose and yeah and just have normal (laughs) conversation right i'm sure it is (laughs) laugh it up and stuff Mm -hmm. but uh that's why I, i Message you earlier today. It's like, do I have to watch my language? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: When when I'm off,
3: when I'm off the show, things can get a little squirrely sometimes.
1: Hey, Uh, you and me are one in the same.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jay's the bad one.
3: (laughs) But I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys notice what I notice out of doing my shows. And, And I'm beyond the point of calling them coincidences now because they are most assuredly synchronicities. And I have this weird flow that happens from show to show and guest to guest and topic to topic. Mm -hmm. There are so many intersecting lines throughout the course of doing, I think I, I think I just edited episode 65 last night. Um, And I think I have 10 other little one-off ones, but, um, interview ones, uh, I think I'm at 65, and you have so many of these little things that crisscross and become intertwined with other layers that come later that you're not even anticipating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm I'm hosting a, a Bigfoot conference myself this September, September 10th. What? It's in into, Dawa it's Michigan. And it's going to be held at Sisters Lakes Brewery.
1: Ooh, I like the sound of that already.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm... Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so Sisters Lakes Brewing Company is a family-owned brewery in Duwajeck, Michigan. Why is this important? Well, I'll tell you. I'm glad mm-hmm. you asked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to have Ron Moorhead is going to be our head speaker. I've got Val Zalbala, who is the head of the Michigan Bigfoot Report, Gumshoe Guys Corner, on the Facebook. On Mm -hmm. on the Facebook. God, I hate when people say that. (laughs) A Facebook page. Um, I've got James Lady, who is the head of the Michigan Aboriginal Project. Oh, wow. That's awesome. He'll be speaking as well. And then as my fourth speaker, I've got the gentleman from episode two and three.
1: Oh, wow. That's going to be awesome. I can't, I can't wait.
3: Okay. So I've, I've extended the invitation to his daughters as well. Uh, I haven't got confirmation one way or another on that, but he's agreed to do his first out in public speaking about this since he talked to me.
1: Oh, awesome. What a good thing.
3: I'm so. excited. Yeah, and now, it, why is this? If it why pretty, is this all tied tied together, and why is it important?
1: Well, why is it, Jay? Well, I'm because on the spot we wanted to talk about a certain Michigan uh, monster, you could say, <laughs> and that would be the Dewey Lake Monster. Exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> That's why we're and, here today.
1: I want to talk Dewey to Lake you?
3: Is a part of the sister lakes.
2: With the, yeah. So that's a part that's in the area. So that was kind of the cryptid or the monster that kind of inspired you to do it there, right?
3: Yes. That was the initial, but the main push came when I started putting two and two together and realizing that the Wajak and the Sister Lakes area are merely 20 minutes away from where my episode two and three family houses
1: took place. Yeah. That's
2: amazing.
3: So it's very close. Not only that, but it is about 25 minutes away from the hunting property. But it is very close to Decatur road, which Decatur road. If you drive down it there, I believe three houses throughout that stretch that all have the big, big foot (laughs) silhouettes in their yards, way off away from the houses up against the tree line. Now to me, when, when you do something like that, you have an interest in the subject and more likely there is some impetus behind you putting one of those out. Yeah. Yep. So after that episode two and three aired, I received several emails. And they were all from people who had grown up in the Edwardsburg, Cassopolis, and DeWajack areas. All now living in different parts of Indiana, and I think one was from uh, in North Carolina now. All of them said... When they listened to that episode, it immediately took them back to when they were younger and hunting on those properties, and they all had experiences. If they didn't have experiences, they knew somebody who did. That's awesome. So that that corridor is, is rife with Bigfoot sightings and accounts throughout Southwest Michigan so
2: that's awesome it's just we have that there's it reminds me so much of like our the path between salt fork and hocking in ohio it's that same it's like that little strip that's just completely full of bigfoot right with sightings. sightings yeah
1: well i was gonna say it too and it took you to you know kind of open up uncork that bottle you know to get the conversations and people comfortable enough to talk about it which is, you know, yeah, it's a pretty awesome you know, I, feeling, or, I would say.
3: It is. And, you know, I've had some really nice emails sent my way. I've had some really nice messages on Facebook Messenger. I've had a lot of people tell me that, you know, listening to me talk to a guest is like, basically, I'm sitting down with an old friend and having a conversation, and they're getting to sit in and listen to it. Right, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that that's a very, it's a humbling thing. Um it's it feels weird to to say it out loud that you know i get i get people telling me that they like my show it it, it feels like (laughs) it feels like it's weird to say that you know like right it's it's almost like it's bragging but i I really no
2: you you definitely have it's like uh i'll say from being on an interviewee side of it for a show called uncomfortable i did feel very comfortable (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, and that's and that's the the irony of it. The, mm-hmm. That's the irony of it. So yeah, that
2: no, was um, very nice.
1: It would just t- it made me think of Star Wars Episode One when Anakin Skywalker gets his pod racer up and going for the first time, and he's just like, "It's working! It's working!" <laughs> You've been sitting here for fifty minutes, ready to talk, haven't you? <laughs> no, I just that's not yeah. my head. He <laughs> was about bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Insert Star Wars reference. Mm-hmm. I, I just that. couldn't help it on that one. <laughs> But you yeah. did say something earlier, though, I did want to touch on real quick. Okay, before we get into Dewey yeah, Lake. Yeah, before we get into Dewey Lake, you, you know, you said, like, everything, it's kind of synchronicities, how yeah. things line up, and I know Justin loves yeah. that word. But I was always taught, and or maybe I learned this along the way, like, coincidences, there is no such thing. It's kind of like God's way of telling you that you're on the right path, you know? You're doing what you want to do, and when those coincidences pop up, it's just like a little hint, like you're doing it. You're doing something right. You're following your heart and stuff like that. And those are, the, so when you said that it kind of fell the place, like you're doing something you really like to do or you wanted to do, but you didn't even realize how much you really wanted to do it. You know? Right.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, and I've had several people echo that very same sentiment. Um, one of which was Cheryl Lynn Carter. Um, another one was Jen Cruz from the She Squatchers. Um, and then uh, I believe Karen, Karen Tatro was a psychic medium that I had on some time ago. I did a two-part with, and each one of them, each one of them are are sensitive to to some extent, you mm-hmm. know, as far as being mediums and, and psychics and, and whatnot. And each one of them individually during the course of uh, the episode or or afterwards and uh, conversation afterwards all told me that the reason that i'm having these synchronicities is because that's that's the universe's way of letting you know you're doing the right thing mm-hmm. and Ooh. well add me to that list to come, <laughs> for you to come out and, <laughs> and say that same exact thing uh, is that another
1: yeah. synchronicity
3: yeah, I think it uh, is. I I, I I would think that it would be. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that's that's funny. But that, I that makes me feel pretty good too. Jake's
2: yeah. hiring a kite right now. He's all excited.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, on excitement, on, <laughs> on life. Excitement. Been drinking
3: water all day. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's you know I'm I'm absolutely having a blast doing what I'm doing. Oh. I feel like what I'm doing is. Uh, a good thing. You that, know, even, yep. yes. even if, even if somebody, I'm not going to say that. Um, I just, I, I feel like I'm providing. Well, I, I almost want to say like. like pro- providing a service. Yeah, to I was going to say that. You know.
1: And it's not that you think you're doing the right thing. It's almost you feel you're doing the right the right thing. You know?
3: Yeah. And I, you know, a little bit about me. Uh, in in my previous life, <laughs> uh, before I started doing this, I would always second guess myself. I was always 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 an ideas man. I was always coming up with great ideas, but I would always talk myself out of it. They're going to be too expensive, or it was going to take too much work, or it was going to be too much of that. And you know, I would just I would talk myself out of it. And and the weird thing about this you know from from the time I sat down with Rob to do the first beyond sports i never i never questioned doling out the money for the the roadcaster pro i did not question sinking money into road microphones i you know i mean it was it was a pretty substantial jump to get into it mm-hmm. and typically the normal me would have found any number of reasons not to do it, mm-hmm. and to talk myself out of it, and I never did. And to me, that that was a huge jump in my personal growth. I think. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. So,
2: well, I I'll say you I, definitely I, tell us into the show.
1: I appreciate it. <laughs> I agree with that too.
3: I appreciate that a lot.
1: Well, on that so, note, you want to okay. jump in? Do you want to jump into this Dewey Lake, uh, the Dewey Lake monster, monster story?
3: Yes. Uh, before we do that, let's yes. let's hit real quick on since since all this is around the Dwajak area, and and that's where my conference is going to be. Mm-hmm. The conference is going to be September 10th this summer. All the information you need to know, ticket prices, bigfootandbruce.com bigfootandbrews.com that's the website you can buy tickets, you can apply to be a vendor you can pay the the vendor's price there if you choose to help sponsor the show to make it a better event Uh, even better than what it's going to be there's an option there as well and it has all of our vendors listed with uh, I believe active links so any of the vendors you go to it, you look at it, if you want to see what they have online, you can go to their their websites as well through mine and uh, it's going to be a great day
5: yeah
3: it has to be there's, <laughs> yeah. there's no other way they got great food there at the brewery they got great beer and we're going to be talking about bigfoot all day long i know and,
2: bigfoot and beer what
1: yeah. more could you ask for
3: anytime,
2: Seriously.
1: anytime you mix those two it's positivity is the only outcome
3: well it, it can't help but be But, you know, I I suppose your (laughs) listeners are probably wondering, what does Bigfoot have to do with the Dewey Lake Monster? Because they don't sound the same.
2: Yeah, this is not our... Our listeners know that Justin is obsessed with lake monsters, (laughs) but this does not go into that normal category. Yeah, it's
1: not a fish. It's not a fish.
3: Now, Justin... Yes? You (laughs) may be happily surprised. Hmm... Ooh. Let's just leave. Let's just leave you with that. Yeah, yeah let, leave that videos. hanging
2: out there. <laughs> let's simmer. But I w- I did want to say one thing real quick. We also have yep. your the, the event page for Facebook link is already attached and pinned on our Facebook page.
3: Awesome. Thank so it's
2: already so at the top. Uh, so anybody, if if you have trouble finding it or whatever, you can go to the top of our Facebook page. It's right at the top bar in the pin section. So I wanted to make sure I had that up before we did this. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. It just makes it easier for everybody to find everything.
3: hmm And you guys are going to be a vendor there.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, I forgot yeah. to mention that. Yes, we are going to be there. Uh, nobody is allowed to record me after 6 p.m. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Why not? Because reasons. <laughs> okay, reasons.
3: There we go. Yes. We'll leave it at
2: that. adult juice. <laughs> well, it should
3: be a lot of fun. Uh, we've already got uh, in talks with the the brewery as far as taking their their regular menu and for the day just renaming all their items something to do with a particular cryptid that's awesome yeah that'll be fun options will be that way and uh sister lakes brewing company is the only place that you can purchase the dewey lake monster double ipa
1: oh
2: I'll definitely be having one. (laughs) Or 16.
1: I've never seen him set up in his seat so fast. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Well, I actually got Bat Squatch beer in the fridge right now. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's our Monday episode?
1: Uh, Well, coming up. Oh,
2: no, it's behind this one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The time travel always throws me off.
3: You guys time travel?
2: Well, with how the episodes come out and... Oh,
3: I thought you meant you literally time travel. No. Yeah, Bryce's
2: brain. Because sometimes we record episodes out of order and stuff like that, so it's like the time-travel aspect. I'm talking about things that happened in the past like they're in the future. Right,
1: yeah. That haven't been released yet. Mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> well, everybody... Well, this is after Bat-Squatch. It's all good. We're all good. But yes. <laughs> the Dewey Lake Monster. So as we already talked about, uh, this main, you main... Know, dawajak Michigan. dawajak yes um, thank you for the Jay wrote out for me how to pronounce phonetically it, phonetically
3: <laughs> uh but yeah some people, some people will go dawajak that's that's what, she, what i did
1: shoot we were even close to that we were well, like what way was up. i saying oh Dowadjuk.
2: that was something weird. yeah
1: i wasn't even struggling but
2: yeah the sister lakes area and uh do you remember how many lakes are in the six mile area
3: yeah. Uh, there are 11 lakes within yes. the six-mile area. I figured this is... I'm the... sorry, were you asking me or Jay?
2: I was asking Jay, but it's all good. You're because not sitting I no, here with us. I
1: had no idea. <laughs>
2: I love to ask Jay questions he doesn't know the answers to. Yeah,
1: I eyes got big. <laughs> me? It makes me feel better.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so...
3: Well, and, and, and yes, it got sir. really popular because once, the, uh, once they put a train track through, um, coming out of Chicago into that area... Um, it started being discovered as a, a great summer getaway.
1: Place. Oh, like a little yeah so, summer retreat kind I mean, of thing.
3: It, yeah, I believe that was like in the 1930s when they put the train actually came through, and it just gained popularity. And till this day, it is a it's a summer town. I mean, it, you know, rentals on all the different lakes and tourist spot kind of people that um not what you would. Not what you would think, uh, you know. I mean, it's not a lot of or, some some touristy businesses, but it's not. Just how about a, run with
1: them out, out of town like, or getaway? Yeah, that's probably yeah.
2: That, Chicago that's, people do go probably, there and pollute. Yeah,
3: probably a <laughs> <laughs> probably a, a better, a more accurate description of it. Uh, I have strong
2: feelings about Chicago.
3: It's a beautiful area. Um, you you have uh, fields. You have forested area you have obviously a lot of water in that area and uh, so the, the sighting started in the early part of June 1964 Yeah. but if you dig into it a little bit deeper and I think I may have even mentioned it in my episode um, there were two witnesses that eventually came forward that admit to having seen it the summer prior
2: Is it
3: 1962
2: or 1963? Uh, So that would have put it as
1: 1963. Okay. I had it written down as 1962, but I mistype stuff all the time. Yeah, same here. Yeah, uh, we have the June 1964, the first sighting. Uh, June 9th, 1964. uh, Was it Tuesday? Mm -hmm. Gordon Brown from U-Trip Farm spotted a figure between a barn and a shed. Brown illumin- illuminated the, top, fa- the t- top half of the figure with his headlights. He realized he had seen the creature before playing in-, playing in the orchards behind the farm. And Brown grabbed his flashlight and his brother Randall, and they arrived to see the creature about 120 yards out in the field. The creature be- appeared to be looking back at them both as it retreated into the wood lines. They called up the local police department. However, um, it was reported on the news, it was never reported or on the that's news. never reported on the news, and there were certain it wasn't a bear. <clears throat> You're
3: see that bear line a lot. Yeah, and you know, I think I mentioned in the uh, in the episode, I had reached out to a retired DNR officer yes. uh, in the in the area, and he said that again up until that point, there were no no indications that there were any bear this this low in in the state of Michigan. Now, just like I said earlier, uh, this past, last week, uh, both Lawton, Lawton, Michigan, and uh, Decatur, Michigan, both have had uh, confirmed reports by the state police and DNR that there is a black bear that has found its way down here. And uh, it's, it's funny because Lawton... And and the Decatur area are almost in a straight line south of each other. Mm. Uh, and that is also very close to the Jones area, which is where the hunting property was from episode two and three.
2: Mm. Black bear are definitely starting to do better in a lot of the this side of the U.S. So where they weren't, you know, 60, 70 years ago, they're definitely starting to show up a lot more now. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, that low in Michigan—that's that's still pretty low for a, a black bear to be wandering around.
1: Oh, see, I have no idea if you that's low anything. or not. I know nothing about wildlife and <laughs> why did they come so low now, though. Is it just because uh, they're starting
2: to—they're re- finally starting to populate enough that they're pushing each other out?
1: Oh, gotcha. Okay. They, they move- don't want to move, but there's bigger
2: come- and better bears.
1: Gotcha. Yep. So you gotta move.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ready for the next part? Sure. Yeah. You want me to keep going? Yeah, go ahead. All right. As news of this sighting made its way around town, there was a $1,000 bounty placed by a local alcohol distributor. <clears throat> the town became overrun with curiosity seekers and monster hunters, all for that $1,000. Sheriff departments were out hoping to catch a glimpse of the creature, but quickly changed to monitoring and maintaining uh, all the people out here searching for the monster mm-hmm. and trying to d- redirect him away from all the activity and de- just trying to clear out the area just a little bit.
2: I think you did a really good job in your episode about it this describing how much of the the town was like a a circus.
1: Oh
3: yeah. Yeah, that, it was uh, I I talked to a couple of people um who either had relatives that were there back at the time or were very young at the time mm-hmm. and uh, and recalled just how what a virtual
2: madhouse it was have you ever this is a sidetrack listen to the uh heard anything about the Minerva monster here in Ohio M- Minerva yeah. yes so that had a, a not as big obviously but a similar thing just everybody and their brother was going out trying to shoot this thing for no reason yeah. at this point at that point he had done nothing but throw one rock at a lady
1: right yeah But so she was yelling at it true she asked she literally asked for it mm-hmm you ready? Yeah. So uh, David Scholes, a daily news reporter, this was June eleventh, nineteen sixty four. So two days after that initial spotting, uh, he indicated that he had been on uh, monster safaris before, but the only monsters they ever found uh, were the people out searching for the creature. In this case, they didn't see any. Bigfoot or, Bigfoot anything, or any hairy beasts out there. He made the comment about all the firearms he saw, and he said he felt like it was, he was in a war zone. He rode along with local sheriff's department and uh, witnessed them telling hundreds of monster hunters that they were in no need of help to please move out of the area. Um, another sheriff let them know that of an, another large crowd gathering at the U-Trip farmhouse, which is where that initial sighting took place. And upon arrival, they witnessed a number of reporters interviewing Mrs. Utrip. She said to them, get out of here. I've never seen this thing. And even if he was around, he wouldn't be here with all of you people. She indicated that she never saw the creature. But one night when she was returning to the house, she said the thing was coming up behind me and I could hear its steps. My husband was inside the house and he claimed he could feel the steps from inside the house.
2: So, yeah. That doesn't sound like a woman that's never seen the creature. <laughs> Saying, get out of here, get out of here. I've never seen him. Even if he wasn't, yeah. you know.
1: Sounds yeah. like a woman that she, doesn't really want to talk. She wasn't the
3: only... She, there was one other person. Um, I forget what his name was. Um, but he had reported it as well. But he also mentioned that he felt with all the people in the area that his uh, his, his habit, the the his normal daily routine, I refer to it as a he, because...
2: Yeah, that's what, what was, the, they, but, all, they all refer uh, it to him as a he.
3: That, that with all the people in the area, that it, the uh, his routine had been screwed up.
2: Yeah, we have it uh, down here. I'm trying to find it. It's on this last page here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we do... Uh... <laughs> Paul Parrish. No, no, it wasn't Paul Parrish. We're a professional podcast.
1: Yes. No, I did type. No, it we do
2: we do have it somewhere, but yeah, yeah. That said, that he with all the people just met, like you said, messing up his daily routine and stuff. Like any animal in that area, or anybody, oh, right adding thousands or hundreds or thousands of people out looking for something. I mean, it was like uh, it reminds you of kind of like when we were just out at Salt Fork. Yeah, there's absolutely. no Bigfoot out that weekend because there's ten thousand people looking for him,
1: or the it, yeah. or them. Walker was the guy's last Walker,
2: name. Walker, Walker.
1: Yep. Uh, here, I'll read, I'll read that part right here. He said, uh, Walker, who phoned in to call the detectives, reported to find a large track but didn't know what it was. He suggested it could be a big ape track. He also reported of having seen what left the track a year before. He told detectives it hasn't shown up for two nights. It shows he's scared. He's hiding in the woods. And somebody might just get killed. His normal routine had been broken. And uh right here he says uh, he said the additional knowledge about what left the track he was aware of this things of this thing's routine. He stated that it it started at the U-Trip Cherry orchard along Garrett Road, walks down to the woods on Swisher Street, continues behind the local school where there's swamp where's a swamp and blueberries
3: so, now, yeah. don't you think that, that it, don't you think that that's you know so I, when I read things like that you know and and these are coming straight out of the uh, the newspaper uh-huh, articles that uh-huh. were published about this. Um, in fact, that's what the majority of my show is based off of, the the actual reports.
4: hmm uh-huh.
3: And I find it odd because, you know, with having spent as much time as I have looking into this subject, I'm not a boots-on-the-ground investigator. I don't go out hunting for these things. I'm not out every weekend trafzing through the woods trying to find signs or anything. I, I'm more of an information collector. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, so when I hear him, he, for whatever reason, he felt compelled to talk about there being berries.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Now I can't tell you how many researchers I've talked to and listened to that bring up berries as being a very large source of food for these Mhm. Yeah, I you know, so I mean all the all the indications point to this being one of them.
2: Yeah. I I agree that it's it seems to be super I, I don't not common, but yeah, it's always something to do with that food source of berries and that kind of thing that like we me and you've talked about it, and I know me and Jay have talked about it, that I don't believe these things are running down deer and elk every other day. Right. I think the majority of their diet is, you know, the, the berry, the foliage and, you know, insect and small protein like frogs and stuff like that because it's, well, just you know, easier. I
3: spoke, I spoke with, uh, Mike Familon, who is the, um, he's the creator and content creator for uh, shadow of the big red eye. Oh, okay. Uh, out, in, out in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, now, he's, he's boots on the ground. He actually goes out and he formulates his own theories on uh, the, the groups. And he says that, you know, in, in northern New Jersey, he feels that there's, he doesn't know the size of the families or the tribes or whatever, but he says there seems to be two distinct groups. And he says they seem to move through the northern part of the state when the berries are on the bushes. Mm. I forget what kind of berries they were. But he said those will, they'll they'll bear fruit twice, and the first family moves through, ravages the berries, and then moves on around the outside edge of the the eastern side of the state and and moves down, and then by time that those the the fruit the berries are are coming back again on the bushes, that second family comes back through, and they he seems to think that they have this. Small migratory pattern where mm-hmm. they just kind of circle the, behind each other throughout the state as the as the season changes.
2: We have an episode out, Bigfoot migration through Ohio in the U.S. I think is what the title. I don't remember, but Big, that's we yeah we dive into the food driven migration is I think probably one of their bigger what reasons they move. Yeah, is that following that food source that available berry harvest or whatever you know whatever it is sure. in that area. Like I,
3: I you, you go back and you look at even the uh, um, Survivor Man uh, Les Brown mm-hmm. episodes that he did, and you know he was he was talking about berries as well, and mm-hmm. it, it's in it's in countless other documentaries. You know, everybody always seems to bring up. It seems to be a prevalent theory, you know, and, and, and it makes sense.
1: And there's some accounts where people will talk, you know, they witness them eating the berries. They'll rip, mm-hmm. take the whole branch and they'll. Basically, stick the whole thing in their mouth and pull it through their teeth or something, or through Step their lips, and mm-hmm. scoop it all off, and they're done. Like the whole branch, like that. I've heard a, I've heard a few stories with that similar, you know, account. It's
2: you it's, know, and it was
3: what, what was kind of funny about this, you know, happening to Wajak. Um, you know, there there were a couple of uh, people that were they were taking advantage of of the. Um, The new attention they were getting, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, There, you know, I forget one of the one of the restaurants or drive-throughs started serving monster burgers.
1: (laughs) Oh heck yeah, and
3: stuff like that. (laughs) And then uh, somebody else started selling at one of the local stores. Started selling a a monster hunting kit, (laughs) and uh, I mean it was it was ridiculous. It It, was, uh, I think you got a bucket. And in that bucket, there was a like a butterfly net, a, fl- a flashlight. No, um, I think some of them had a mallet and a stake in there. Yeah. some of them had a baseball bat. Yeah. I, th- I think I even remember seeing once where you know, some of them came with a squirt gun. Oh, my oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> I had to
2: buy
1: one. I would have bought one.
3: <laughs> I know you would have. It'd, it'd be, be on my, my shelf. shelf. Yeah. yeah, it'd be on my shelf. <laughs> you know, you mentioned it, this is kind of a funny coincidence. You mentioned about the. Uh, the thousand dollar bounty yes. that was placed, and that was actually placed out. It was um, it was set out by a local uh, liquor distributor. Wow. I I coached I coached football with a gentleman whose parents own a large liquor distributor in Duwajack, Michigan. No way. Aww. And so I, when I found that article and I read that, I immediately called <laughs> and I said, Mike, was this your dad? Did your dad put up that $1,000? And he's like, no. He said, back, back in 64, he said, you know, the business would have been owned by his grandfather. And he said, back at that point, he said, we were so small. He said, we didn't have two two nickels to rub together. Yeah, $1,000. No yeah. So, but he did say... The interesting thing about it was back in those days, there were four different liquor distributors that covered that area. Hmm. Ah, so it was it wasn't his. I was I was so, I was so that would have been great. Oh I mean, yeah, I got it inside. Yeah, inside and, track and here and it wound up not being him. but <laughs> yeah. So that reminds
2: me a lot it of was, like, Falk, Arkansas, where the you know, um, Monster Boggy Creek and everything. Yeah. They have all that. They have Bigfoot Barbecue. They have the Monster Mart. You know, mm-hmm. they, they really, they they grabbed onto it, it and <laughs> then they they wrote. They're still riding it.
3: Yeah, but yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and and it's been years since there's been any kind of uh, a sighting mm-hmm. uh, reported, anyway, from from the Jack area. Um, there. If you go to, uh, I think there's two different sources you can go to. Um, BFRO being one, um, there's a couple of sightings around that Dwajak area, Um, and actually one of the one of the reports is from 1964. So I didn't go (laughs) and actually read the report, but I assume it's based on the Dewey Lake Monster sighting, right? Um, And then uh, Scott Tompkins' uh, Bigfoot Mapping Project also has it um, on theirs. But I think that might just that might be a, also be a link to the BFR, BFRO yeah. uh, report. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so just because it there's no reports of it currently, doesn't mean it wasn't here back then. Right.
1: You know, oh now, yeah. Absolutely. After
3: yeah. after reading through all the the articles and the witness uh, descriptions of what they saw, um. essentially over seven feet tall, four or five, 600 pounds, hair covered. The, one of the later reports from that summer was a family that was driving, I believe it was my husband and wife in the front seat and, and two kids in the back. They saw something, um, moving relatively low to the ground, cross, across the road. They stopped. They watched this thing as it um, stood up and and hid behind a tree. Yeah. And then it it climbed up the tree and sat on a branch. And they said it clapped its hands
2: at them. So I actually have a note about that. We were going to talk about it. But so there's a very unique thing with it doing that. uh, That at least we we found unique. Uh, There's a certain primate species they will do the exact same thing to ward off predators. It's the uh it, both of the gibbon species. It's the gibbons. They will literally sit in a tree branch like that and they'll clap or they'll sing. And after I read that I was like that is just such a, a primate like I'm like I know I we were reading it or we were listening to you talk about it on your on your podcast. I was like I know I know that from somewhere from, yeah. from an animal an animal does that and it was the gibbon. I think that's crazy that how much some of this stuff just without people
1: knowing overlaps
2: hits home with other with other primates and stuff like that known mm-hmm. primate behaviors
1: yeah well there's that but then there's so much stuff that hits home that's just not primate right. behavior I, yeah, at I all agree. but it's crazy all the overlap there actually is when you get into all of the stories you can hear and find
3: absolutely but the one thing that was kind of the one-off for this whole summer of sightings the one-off for me and, and I can never really get past it, is one of the reports, and I was not fortunate enough to find a, a newspaper report about it, but one of the reports was that this thing was witnessed being wet and appeared that it had seaweed or something similar to it. Uh, tangled within its its fur
4: Hmm. huh
3: so when when we were talking about you know you like the the water creatures Mm -hmm. uh, there we go you know so so there is there is that one-off sighting that one-off report that this thing was um more like a swamp monster
1: like swamp thing
3: i believe was it well Sorry. Well, I think, there's, there, I think there's some correlation to be drawn to
2: this. I think there is. Big because, Muddy Monster had it.
3: Well, Big Muddy Monster had it. And then if you, if you go back and you listen to the episode I did with uh, Philip Shaw, he was indicating that there seems to be some strong reason to think that they use the undercuts of riverbanks to either stay out of sight, or to traverse distances without being seen.
1: Mm, okay,
2: I believe that 100. percent We'd have some that would be when I used to chalk and do fish surveys and habitat surveys. Some of those undercuts go back 12, 15 feet. People don't realize it. Mm. I mean, you could you. And, could, we could have a party back there. You wouldn't know.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I think I think that was one of the, you know, unfortunately Robert Crayton. Is going to be able to attend the West Branch conference like he was scheduled to, um, but in early discussions, I guess he was bringing a lidar system, and he was going to be given uh, an opportunity to use that along the banks of a river that, that oh. has had quite a quite a bit of activity.
2: That'd be pretty so cool.
3: Their, yeah, her goal was to try to confirm that there was a, a sizable undercut.
1: That'd be pretty cool. I'd like to see the results of that data. That'd be fun.
2: Oh, I don't know if I told you. Uh, me and Emily know Phil. I uh,
3: yeah, I think you did say. Okay.
2: About that. Yeah, we met him at CryptoCon. We hung out with him all weekend uh, last year.
3: Yeah, he's a very very friendly
2: guy. Oh, super nice. He's a yeah, he's a super nice guy. But I I seen you post your episode and I'm like Emily, look. Yeah, yeah, I just was something that I thought We know was, that guy. Yeah. But <laughs> One thing I didn't want to skip on. And, oh, and, I'm sorry.
3: And a nice shout, nice shout out to Phil for, uh, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Robert Kreider had to cancel. And uh, I'm, I'm not a replacement for Kreider by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but he did reach out to me and see if I'd be willing to come up and MC the uh, the town hall. That's awesome. Meeting.
2: And that's this so, sun, Saturday, right?
3: This That's a Saturday. Yeah, I'll be the 14th. That'll be fun.
2: And that's the West Branch Bigfoot yet. Conference, right?
3: Yep, in West Branch, Michigan. Yep, uh, Michigan's uh, their self-proclaimed Bigfoot capital of Michigan.
2: Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of stuff in Michigan for Bigfoot. It's better than Ohio, even though we have more sightings. Weird, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's because we're all farm.
1: It's true, we're corn.
2: But uh, not to skip out on the Utrep story, Uh, I wanted to say this because this is one of the weird things that that stuck out to us that uh, after she was dealing with the the newspapers and stuff, she also said, you know, one of the things was uh, one of her shepherds had chased the monster one night and came back with one pupil of the dog's eye had turned a pale blue and the dog went blind in that eye.
3: Yeah, but uh, in a subsequent article, I found uh, it was basically it said the same thing but it said the dog did regain its eyesight okay. after some time.
2: So maybe just got one whacked, a, a warning.
3: Yeah, it's possible.
2: That's another common thing with Bigfoot, that they do not get along with dogs at all. its I've heard some bad, bad stories with dogs that don't know when to stop.
1: Yeah. Back off. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: And then you know my story with our dog, Lucy. And I don't know. I think if, there could have been a chance that we uh, would have been a couple more minutes behind that. Lucy would not have been barking anymore.
1: Yeah, but yeah, and that
3: sucks. I mean, I mean, I guess you know when you
1: well, that's why that's the whole thing.
3: The whole the whole thing with this subject matter is that you know with the the vast majority of reports, you know, when you've got something that walks on two feet, so it looks very similar to us. Mm -hmm. So I think it's only natural to assign Homo sapien type attributes to, to an animal that now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that these things are purely animal because in my heart of hearts, I think there's something more.
2: I, I'll agree with you. There, there's, there's enough I, of the I, other stuff.
3: Yeah. I think they're much more closely related to us. Um, in fact, I'll even go out and say that my personal belief is I think that they are some sort of a people.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I so think, it, I think I'm in that same boat with you.
3: You know, back back to what we were talking before we started recording. It's it's annoying and it's frustrating when you have some of these uh, um, highlighted figures in in academia and you know on, on these TV shows that they are firmly in the camp that it's got to be an ape. It's got to be an ape. Got to be an ape. Got to be an ape. Well, I get it, but again, mm-hmm. there you go with there you go with your your science wall that you get to lean against. Yep. Yeah because there's no other precedent for it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just, man, you know, if you listen to Sasquatch Chronicles, if you listen yes. to any of the podcasts that, that have, you know, if you listen to Steve Isdall while well, he's reading these emails from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah. You know, I mean, I like Steve Isdall. I, I, I love the guy for what he's doing. I love the, the way he just basically, you know, put a lot of his life on hold to, to keep doing this stuff. Um, but if even 1% of all of the accounts that we've heard and listened to or or seen or, or read, if only 1% of those accounts are real, there's still something phenomenal going on out there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I mean, you can't ignore all of the, what we call the woo. You know, you there's too much of it reported to just say, just to, to write it off. I don't know what orbs yeah, are, but I know they're they're seen with Bigfoot an awful lot. And that kind of stuff. You know, just, and, sorry.
3: You know, my first love is, were UFOs. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the thing that first captured my imagination back when I was, I was obsessed with UFOs by five years old. Mm-hmm. Um
1: you know, and we didn't have, we didn't have
3: internet, we didn't have, you know, uh, streaming services that you could just go. Right. Start watching something, anything you wanted. to We're, we're spoiled so now. I've always, th- I've always, I've always thought it was weird that I could become that obsessed with a topic when information wasn't that readily available. Um, but, you know, I mean, we've, we've had, you know, misinformation and, uh, people are made to be be crazy and, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're insane. And, you know, now, a couple of years ago, now it comes out. Yeah, holy crap. Uh, UFOs are real. Oh,
4: yeah, yeah, I let's know. But
3: tell, let's tell everybody, uh, uh, like, the same week that we're scaring the hell out of everybody about this pandemic. Right, so, you don't so pay that attention it to it. So it doesn't get to be too big a news. No, that's old news now. Well,
1: we're, we're past that.
3: now. Well, now, but now, things are starting to come back around because the, the latest release with the Pentagon Papers. It came out 1,500 pages.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And there were some... Some stuff that was released in there is funky, man. I mm. mean, like people that they're admitting that there are people who have come in con- close contact with this uh, these craft mm-hmm. are having weird cellular disruptions in their body, um, different type of manifestations, illnesses, um, and then you know one of the things was unintended pregnancy.
2: That's what I was gonna say. If you if you were gonna touch on that or not, I seen that too. That that is you know, insane.
3: And, That's that's nuts. That's that's crazy talk there. So you know, hell, we've been told that UFOs are just a figment of our imagination and mass hysteria for over seventy years, right? Since the Roswell incident, and now, now we're now we're being told, yeah, yeah, people are getting
1: pregnant from these things. So you know, lock your doors at night.
3: You know, is is Sasquatch? Is Bigfoot? Sade, whatever you want to call them is this another thing that we're just not told? Yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I have to think that it is (laughs) right. Um, Yeah. I think there's a lot of weird things. You know, I had enough paranormal experiences in my life after the death of my dad that without a doubt, hands, hands down, I'm, I'm not one who's prone to making stuff up. I'm not prone to, um, uh, what would be a good word? Um, I'm not easily swayed in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not like you can say something to me and then by the power of suggestion, all of a sudden I believe it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty intelligent guy, I think. And I've, I've spent a lot of time looking into this stuff and, and the experiences that I had when my dad passed away, uh, didn't happen immediately. It took about a year, but once that, once things started kind of kicking in a little bit, it was quite obviously my dad. Mm-hmm. Who was reaching out from the other side, and you know those things are real. I, I went ghost hunting a couple of times. The, the first time I went, I I got video of an orb. Oh and wow! I, I'm
1: not talking.
3: I'm not talking a piece of dust that flew in front of the light. Of right, me. or a
1: bug, or something. I'm,
3: I'm talking. I'm talking about a golf ball sized blue orb that manifested right in front of me. And then did this little zippy zoo and was gone in like a second and a half. But I managed to get it on videotape. Oh, awesome. Um, You know, I took photographs of the the wooded area on the outside edge of the the graveyard that we were walking around. And when I was loading the the pictures on the computer, my son walked in and he's like, is that a face? And I said, where? And he's like, there. So you know, I lightened the picture up a little bit, and sure enough, it looked like an upside down Death Mask. You know, like uh, uh, Motley Crue, mm-hmm. uh, the Theater of Pain album Ye- with the uh, theater masks on it. Yep, I, it looked like one looked like one of those masks. Only it was upside down. So I rotated the picture 180 degrees, so it was upside down, and then it became very evident. And okay, it could be pareidolia. Um, mm-hmm. The face looks like a a skull or a death mask, and then as you look further into the, um, the the trunk of the tree, the the bark and the the foliage around it, I'm telling you, man, it looks like you can see the outline of shoulders, the outline of an arm, the the torso and and the legs. But in the proper orientation, this hole would have been upside down to me there in person. Mm, okay. You know, I've done enough ghost investigating that I I don't need to have anything proved to me anymore. Right, right, I, yeah. You know what? Oh man, why don't you go haunted houses and stuff? It's like, I mean, I get it. It's fun and and it's cool, but I don't I don't have to prove anything to myself anymore. It, I am completely completely one hundred percent sure that there is something that exists beyond our our reality.
1: I agree with and that. If that's
3: true. You know, if that's true and if UFOs are true, um, what else is true? Yep. I think it... there's an awful lot, an awful lot more out there that that's going on that we can't see, whether you know our, our visual spectrum is very narrow oh, by it's tiny you know, by other standards.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Our hearing is is firmly rooted within a, a, a specific frequencies. And you know, there's other stuff out there. We just, we're not, we don't know it. We don't understand it. We can't measure it. We, we're we not taught it. And,
1: we're not told about it.
3: That's right. You know, and I think I had a I had a conversation with uh, Karen Tadreau. She was a, a psychic medium from out east. And we had a great conversation. And I think what, you know, it boiled down to was, you know, my parents they didn't necessarily um, humor me on any of this type of weird stuff, but they never shut me down either. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I was I was never told, "Oh, you know, oh, something just
1: fell, and I have no idea what it was." Oh gosh,
2: <laughs> we're in the middle of moving,
1: and that sounded yeah. like a problem. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: That that sounded almost like it needed immediate attention. I don't know what it was, but I
1: know my shorts need immediate attention.
2: We'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. Okay, guys. Uh, We're back. Um. Like I said before, we got rudely interrupted. Uh, Me and Emily are in the process of moving, and a bunch of boxes and a piece of the ceiling just fell in. (laughs) So that was very odd. And... So... Yes, sir.
3: In in order, Justin, in order to save you any heartache... Yes. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that apparently the topic that I was talking about is something that you guys choose not to speak about in in the particular dwelling that you are currently in. Yes. For for specific reasons. Yes. And I noticed that you you were becoming not quite as talkative as you had been mm. as I was talking about <laughs> that subject and then then that happened.
2: Then the so. chunk of the ceiling fell in. <laughs> <laughs> so. I got to fix that before we leave.
3: <laughs> hey, you um, didn't do it. You know, what, and again, what I find as being, uh, here's one of those synchronicities that I always talk about, is that I had absolutely no idea. You've never, no. you've never said anything to me about, you know, what you might have going on there. And surely had I known, I would have not started talking about, those kind of experiences and obviously someone doesn't want us sp- speaking about it so um yeah let's yeah let, let. i think you have uh you have some radio gold there as they say <laughs> um,
2: and poop in my pants i, I would i would, I would,
3: suge- I would suggest <laughs> leaving in and uh, letting your listeners know that not only do you talk the talk but apparently he walked the walk as well I'll I'll get
2: you pictures of the chunk of the ceiling that fell in. Post on Facebook. Yeah, just like, hey, guys, here's a surprise from today's recording. Yeah, I can see the sky.
3: (laughs) So let's move off that topic. Yes. Uh, So um, anybody who's interested in hearing any of my other theories on on that stuff, uh, please go over to Uncomfortable Podcast because I talk about it in several of my episodes.
2: He's got tons of good stuff with uh, it.
3: But um, yeah, when when things like that start to happen, it, it, it's, usually a, uh, it's usually a it's usually a time to move on. A, a, a good indicator <laughs> that uh, we we just transition to another topic. Yes, so, we'll call
1: it a Bigfoot buff charge. So, a Bigfoot so buff charge. Let's,
3: let's go back to uh, if you don't mind. Let, let's go back to the the Dewey Lake yes. monster. Yes. Oh heck and, yeah. Uh, you know it's it's just a uh, it's not a. At the time that it happened, it got national attention. But other than that, it's not a very widely known Bigfoot. I, you know, I've I've talked to other people who have been in this for a long time, and they're like, no, I've never heard of it.
2: Uh, I'm so, one of those. I'm a fanatic, and I'd never heard of it until you started bringing it up.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I, I talked to one gentleman... <laughs> It was supposedly, uh, he was supposed to be an expert in the in the whole, um, the local lore of it and everything. He's like, uh-huh. yeah, well, you know, I talked to a guy and he said he had a mask and he just went around scaring kids. <laughs> and I was like, that is like the lamest thing that you can... <laughs> it's like. So first of all, nobody ever really described seeing a face. Right. Um, or, or describing a face. What they were describing was somebody that was massively large, hairy wet at times and smelled bad and was bigger than a bear and had hands.
1: <laughs> Must've been a nice mask. Not, not pause.
3: So, you know, yeah. so, uh, um, <laughs> I didn't put a whole lot of credence in that. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the area. They still hang tight to this, uh, this local legend. And, uh, you know, you can see it as you drive through the community. You can see there's Bigfoot, uh, silhouettes. There's, um, You know, it's just, they they embrace it there. Right. And, and yeah, it's a part of their culture. So, um, you know, you'll see businesses with, you know, trinkets and stuff like that. And, yeah, they're making money off of it. But it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Right. And you go to, you know, Oregon's got a ton of Bigfoot sightings. And, you know, they also have the Cliff Brackman's uh, museum out there, the Mm -hmm. North American Bigfoot Center. Mm -hmm. You know, they're making money. I mean, it's it's part of life you know i, mean, I i'm one that always says always you should make money, money. Off these What's towns
2: that? i'm one of the people that say that these towns should always make money if they can
3: absolutely coming and from a little you town I mean?
2: you got to hold on to what you can get
3: yep yep and you know this this town uh they were hit just like everybody else was uh during the pandemic and they're still still trying to get their feedback underneath them
4: mm-hmm.
3: and that's why i decided that you know, I thought this was a this was a great place. Now I got to I got to give a little bit of transparency here. Another group uh, back in twenty twenty um, mid November of twenty twenty, or maybe it was mid October, they put on a Dewey Lake Monster Convention, and it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. Um, they, I think. gonna take the high road here there you go so i I think that they they could have done a lot more with the opportunity the opportunity that they had in front of them um so was this my idea no um did i know about this yeah i grew up with this dewey lake monster i remember i spent a lot of time at diamond lake it was relatively close and you know as a kid Outside p- picking night crawlers with flashlights after the rain in the evening, you know I was always looking over my shoulder because you know the Dewey Lake monster. So, right. uh, <laughs> you know it, it, it's a it's a great place. The people people are super friendly. Uh, we've got it timed perfectly. Being September tenth, the mass of um, uh, of summer renters is going to be kind of on the way out, and what we're hoping to do is. <laughs> Excuse me, is extend their season by another week by bringing a lot of people into town, spending money at their businesses, staying yeah. at their motels, and you know, I I promise to have people in the seats by eleven a.m. So that when they get those grills fired up and that awesome food that they have there at the brewery starts wafting through uh, the the convention area,
4: mm-hmm.
3: everybody's going to want to eat. Everybody's going to have to try the, the Dewey Lake Monster Double IPA <laughs> if IPAs aren't your, your cup of tea, which, I'm unfortunately, I don't like IPAs, so they've got other stuff for you as well. But, you know, we're just, we're just looking to have a great time. You know, Ron Moorhead's a great speaker. He's got a lot of very interesting stuff to say about the topic. Um, love him dearly. He's, he's just been a, a extremely nice man. Uh, throughout the conversations that we've had and our interactions. So,
2: he's definitely a speaker gonna, worth going to see. Me and Emily saw him at definitely. Crypticon last year and it, it's it's I can't wait. I can't wait to be there with you and, and the experience it all. We're we're totally excited.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you know, like I said this is going to be uh, possibly the only opportunity if if episodes 2 and 3, the, the opening day episodes are or something you enjoy, this might be your only opportunity to see John air quotes, John, uh, speak about this in person and, and, quite possibly his daughters as well. Uh, Val Val's Alvala. He's got a, a, wealth of, um, report uh, that he, he, I don't even know, I think maybe like 1700 different reports, uh, that 17 he curated. And, uh, James Lady, he, he kind of tends to, he, he's got some incredible photographs. First of all, he's a great photographer. Um, so I'm hoping that as a vendor's booth, he he brings some of his uh, photographs for sale because they're, they're absolutely gorgeous. Um, a lot of stuff from Michigan like Petoskey stones and stuff like that. Oh, um, but, you know, his he's got some incredible photographs of structures. Uh, outside outside the Metro Detroit area, you know, there's, mm. there's these big Metro parks and stuff out there that, uh, he finds structures and, but he, he, he seems to specialize more in the audio captures and, um, some of the, some of the audio stuff that he's got is just, it's out there, man. It really is. And, you know, I even, I even made mention to him at one point, And I don't want to bring up a a subject that might make anything else fall around in your house, but I said, you know, your, your Bigfoot recordings are significantly different than anything I've really heard before. And are you sure that you might not be recording something that would be more in lines with EVPs and Sasquatch? And he, he's like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Um, He's got some recordings that almost sound, in fact, uh, he he and I were across, booths across from each other at the Bigfoot Conference back in July. And uh, the, the Native American witch that I had interviewed in episode five, she was at the booth behind me. And I asked her to come over and listen to one of his recordings because to me, the uh, the the tone quality, quality and the inflection the 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 words that were being spoken to me almost sounded Native American,
4: hmm.
3: and she listened to it time and time again, and she's like, I, I get what you're saying because it does sound like it, but I can't make out what the words would be.
5: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: so I don't know I don't know if he's getting you know uh, ancestral Native American voices coming through on that or if it is indeed Sasquatch or, I mean, it's, but you know, he's going to be there as well. He, he puts on a great program and uh, we're just going to have a lot of fun. We've got a lot of good vendors bring money for food, drink, buy some stuff with the vendors, sit around and listen to some great Bigfoot talk. Uh, we're definitely going to cover, you know, the, the Dewey Lake history of, uh, of the sightings that happened back in 64. And, you know, so, when you, when you look on the map of Michigan, Dewey Lake, Sister Lakes, Dwajack, uh 1964, summer, um, and then you move due east across the state, when you get due east across the state, you get to Monroe, hmm. and in 1965, Monroe had nearly the same thing happen in their town. Influx of people coming in in cars and truckloads, monster Oh, owners. wow. Yeah. Um, it, you know, so... And it really you know, sucked it if makes one... it was that
2: same Bigfoot getting chased down twice. Right, yeah. It,
3: it, it makes me think, you know, was this thing on some kind of a migratory pattern? Did it move across the state? Was it chased out of the Dwajak area? Mm-hmm. And did it, did it head, you know, due east? And
2: you said most of it was like... Seven to eight foot tall is most of the reports, right? Or, right.
3: Yeah. Um, subsequent writings and stuff. You know, I mean, you know, like different articles have been written about it in years later years. Um, I've run across one that said something about ten foot. In my, yeah, we seen that in my, too. In my digging into the, because um, I actually went to the uh, the wonderful, wonderful K who works at uh, uh, the Dwajek Library. And she went down into the basement of the library and pulled out the boxes that have the actual um, newspaper clippings that were used to create the microfiche in the, in the library. And she photocopied all those for me. Oh, awesome. In, in none of those uh, did I see anything that even remotely said it was like 10 or, 10 or 11 feet tall. But in later articles, years later, especially like in the 1980s, um, my hometown's uh, newspaper, I think in somewhere around like 84, 85, something like that, I think I was just out of high school a couple of years, they did a they did a kind of a recap of, hey, do you remember when Dewey Lake Monster was a thing? And, you know, they, they did a, a, a very tongue-in-cheek treatment of it. And I think in that article they said something about it being ten feet tall and
2: oh, yeah. being a swamp monster. Or the re-dramatization,
3: like yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, with anything, you know, the longer a story is around, the bigger the monster you know, gets. It, well, and it's the telephone game, you know. Yep. No, yep. no story is ever going to be told the same, you know. No matter how hard you try, when it gets back to you, it's going to be different. Yep. So, um, <laughs> you know, I I went off of the for my episode I did on it, I went off of the actual newspaper clippings and, uh, you know, I added some sound effects and stuff like that. Obviously it's not the real Bigfoot sound in the background, (laughs) Um, but I thought it added to the, the, the atmosphere of the, of the story. And, you know, it's just a, it's a neat, it's a neat story. It captured the attention of, of an entire town and, and a nation for some time. Um, you know, because like I said, it it did make the national news,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and you know, well, so come out, go to BigFootBrews.com, dot com, buy your tickets,
4: mm-hmm.
3: come out September tenth, hang out with me, Justin, Jay, Emily probably be yep, there, she will, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, it's gonna be a ball. Guys. great, great vendors and great food and great beer and great people to listen to. It's just, uh, I, 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 you know short of some kind of <laughs> World War Three or something like that. Right. No Gosh. Any, reason, any reason that this isn't going to be a great afternoon. Yeah,
2: we still probably
1: be there. Yeah, we'll still be there, even if World War Three is going on. They can't draft me. I got a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the youngest male. Does that still work? They can't draft me? Uh, I don't oh.
3: think so. Oh, dang I don't it. Think so. I think
2: that stopped in the 70s. <laughs> before, before we start wrapping up, I did have one more question or kind of comment for you. About the i got Lake all the incident. time in the world for you, Okay. So
3: whatever you want to ask me.
2: Uh, there's just one of these... The, okay, so July 14th of the year. The creature was spotted again only three miles away from the Sisters Lake area. The creature was described as taller than a bear and with red hands. Yeah. That was one that yeah. stuck out to me as weird weird.
1: Justin seems to think yeah, he might have yeah. been out punching pigs all I night. thought
2: it was punching pigs all night <laughs> out of frustration. And got his hands all well, red.
3: Um, I think in one of the reports, if I'm, I might be mistaken, but, you know, I mean, I read read so much about this stuff. Um, I think one of the reports also indicated that it had a reddish hair, a reddish tint to the hair. Yeah, I
2: did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Uh, a more orangutan colored.
3: Yeah. So I almost wonder if that was a, you know, it it is what it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes. That's that's the way it was recorded, reported in the paper. Mm -hmm. Now, was that a, was that a, um was that the reporter putting down the wrong word? Mm, right. Did he mean did he mean to say red hands or red hair? Right. Um, oh yeah, I can right. see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 something as simple as that can really throw the whole that
2: can change the story thing. dramatically.
3: Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that that kind of stuck out to me as well. And and I almost wonder, you know, okay, I'm talking to this person because I saw some big red monster walking through. So I'm not taking this very seriously. <laughs> right, I'm right. Not, I can see that you know, happening. I'm, I'm not making sure that I get every word verbatim because, you know, this is this the off of, you know. So, I, I mean, am I making excuses for it? Yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. But I'm also looking at the, the situation as a whole. If I was yeah. a reporter sent out to talk to somebody and I didn't know anything about Bigfoot or, or monsters, um, I'd think, uh, you know, great. I got stuck with this story. Now I get to go to talk. <laughs> to, uh, so it so, says so, so saw a red handed be monster, you know? Um, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you do with that one.
2: Yeah. It, that was just the, probably that the whole story we went through. That was just the one thing that stuck out to me is abnormal for one of these Bigfoot type, you know, Bigfoot creatures. Mm-hmm is it just But that? I could see what you mean. I think that makes a lot more sense than it, just having red hands. Right. Yeah. Is it was like, th- but,
3: but I tend to look at that as a secondary confirmation that this thing had hands because first the yeah. family that said it was sitting up in the tree clapping. Right. And then, and then having red hands. So twice, twice the word hands and not paws or claws or, you know, anything was used. So, um, I don't know. Are, am, am I am I putting you know a straight line between two things that there shouldn't be possible? Um, but after you listen and you read enough of these reports and you listen to enough of them being read, um, you you start finding patterns in these. Right. There's things that stick out to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, you know. Well, I think we figured out that it was just a large gibbon. <laughs> That'd be a very big gibbon. <laughs>
3: You know, and I mean, the whole idea behind, you know, a, a, an escaped circus animal. I mean, that's not out of question. Um, especially the fact that it was during the summer months Yeah. Mm. that it happened. I mean, I was never able to find any report of. But then again, I didn't start going out and looking at other counties. Um, I know Cass County. Cass County has a, a large, or, or did when I was younger, um, a large fair every year. You know, um, could there have been a monkey that was part of a an act that, that escaped? I suppose it's possible. And now the fact that, you know, it wasn't in that area any longer, you know, did it move on? Is that what they saw in Monroe? Could it survive a winter?
2: That's what I was just about uh, to say. I
3: was you know, just... Most yeah, likely not.
2: Yeah, I was I was goofing around. But, yeah, no, none of these tropical primates would... A Michigan winter... Right. Yeah, you know, this no isn't way. Tennessee. Yeah. Right. That's you know, a gibbon or a chimp or a gorilla. They ain't making it.
1: Unless someone I captured mean, I, this
3: I'm, monkey. Thing. I mean I, I can I can picture a gibbon in my head, but you know, weight wise and height wise. Oh they're tiny. Gibbons gibbons are not any even no. close to being a chimpanzee.
2: About three if a if a gibbon was standing straight up it'd be about three foot tall, but their arms drag on the ground when they stand up.
3: And they're skinny as hell. They're like a yeah, meerkat. <laughs> spider
2: monkeys is kind of what they look like. Just mm. just tiny yeah. little things. But it just was funny. That I just was just the clapping thing to me was what I compared it. Why we put gibbon on the list, just yeah. because I'm like I know I know that behavior from somewhere. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a couple animal behavioral books, and I'm like I know I that's I know somebody does
1: that. Right, someone somewhere. I read it, and, in and a why book. is
3: there and, and why is there such an association with it being a you know a primate, a monkey? Uh, you know, I mean, where does that come from? Unless you know, unless it looked primate, why would somebody say it looked primate? Right. It mm-hmm. probably you know, why. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, if if you're if you saw a monster, I wouldn't say that a monster looked like monkey or a, a gorilla or, right, a, or yeah. a primate. You know, I saw a monster. I saw this thing was taller than me and it was covered in hair. It was a monster. I, I don't think I'd be making you know associations with if it looked like a bear or if it looked like an ape or if I looked... Mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if you see something that scares the hell out of you and it's not normal. <laughs> I don't know why you would go and start assigning, you know other stuff to it. Pri primate, primate features. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's... Because back at back at that time, you know, the summer of sixty four, what Patterson Giblin film didn't come out until 67. Um you know, the, the Jerry Crew um uh cast was that fifty eight?
2: I'm not sure. This is why Emily needs to be here.
3: Yeah, that's her role. I, th- I think <laughs> I've been 58. I-, I could be wrong. I probably am, but you know, there, you know, for 1964, there wasn't a lot of media attention being given to Bigfoot.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I guess is the is the right the crux of what I'm getting at. So, you know, you know, nowadays, Bigfoot is part of popular culture. So mm-hmm. you know, you can ask you can ask a kid what Bigfoot is. You can ask an old person what you know Bigfoot is. You can ask anywhere in between. More than likely, ninety ninety five to ninety eight times out of a hundred people that you ask, they're going to know what you mean when you're talking about Bigfoot.
1: Oh yeah, right. Whether they have
3: an interest in it or not, they're going to understand what it is. Back then, I wonder just how prevalent any information about Bigfoot would be and what do we have to go off of as far as information on Bigfoot we have descriptions of them from being sighted we have tracks that are left that a good number of them not all of them not a lot of them but a good number of them seem to have feet that resemble primate feet Uh where that that big toe is a little bit lower down on the, on yeah. the side of the foot, off the side. Yep. Um, you know, so I mean, they, going through all those articles, there there were a lot of things. There were a lot of check marks that I was putting in the plus column for this being a bigfoot. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I, we seen so, gorilla once. They somebody said, could who said gorilla? I'm trying to remember now.
1: Oh, in the story. Yeah,
2: somebody mentioned gorilla. Eight oh, is tracks, that... Yeah, it's, know, well, tracks. Yeah. Ape-like tracks.
3: somebody even mentioned as far as dog tracks, and it's like... Where
1: is it at? But yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that, it was on the other page, this side. So, yep. Yeah, dog... Who? It was right there.
2: Oh, yeah. Professor uh, Frank... Eggleton? Eagleton of the, Michi- or the University. University of Michigan Zoology Department said it could have possibly been a gorilla
1: and then the guy under it Dr. Burt at the same university thought it could possibly be a bear but then Comet bear don't normally wander that, yeah, that far, far south, south which can... we
2: talked about already yeah right yeah but yeah th- this is before the the bigfoot boom
3: but i think i know why yeah and and that's and that's the part that's really interesting to me about it is there there wasn't they weren't in the midst of a hype
4: mhm
3: you know? oh right yeah, yeah. So hey, what? I, I don't know. Where, I mean, where do, where do you where do you leave off there? I mean, what what are we left with? You know, either these people saw something over the course of that summer mm-hmm. that is very very much what they described as, in my estimation, being closer to Bigfoot than anything else I've heard.
2: Of. Oh, it's definitely to me. It's definitely screams Bigfoot.
1: And mm-hmm. I think most people probably attribute them to primates or something because that's all you're taught in school, is like these creatures are the closest thing to what they're saying or their description. So automatically your brain goes, okay, so it's that thing. But when you're not taught like things like a Bigfoot or something in school, it's not even in your frame of mind unless you go figure this stuff out yourself, you know? Right. It's not something everyone's taught at all. Why don't they mention Bigfoot in schools at all?
2: Are you is that are you really asking or are you being sarcastic? Yeah, why
1: not? Why it isn't even mentioned? Cuz it's not proven.
2: I guess there's a lot of stuff oh. they talk about that's not proven, but they don't talk about Nessie either.
1: Right? They talk about the theory of evolution. Yet yeah. yet.
3: Yeah. Yet one of my favorite books as a child in grade school was a book, a paperback book that the first half of the book was about Bigfoot and had stills from the Patterson-Gimlin film.
1: Oh, sweet.
3: And the, sec- and the second half of the book was uh, about the Loch Ness Monster, was stills from the uh, I, um, the, the Surgeon's photo.
2: I think I which, have the same book.
1: No way. You know, I now, think I do.
3: I, I couldn't tell you how many times I checked that book out mm-hmm. from my grade school library.
1: And, and now it's banned from the school, and they burned it. And
2: <laughs> I, I don't think they went that far.
1: You'd be surprised. Look in there. I bet you it's not there.
2: Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> no, I don't. It's definitely, this definitely screams Bigfoot to me just fully. Just everything about it. And we've talked about, I know me and Jay have talked about it. Uh, I think me and Eric have talked about it a little bit. About this, that seven to eight foot range seems to be the troublemakers or the guys that are getting caught more often than not. Or the, yeah. the stars of the flaps.
1: Yeah, I was going to say this too. Like, with all these accounts, it always seems to be just one. Like, you're always just seeing one. When it's
2: these big accounts, it really seems to be that. Right, yeah. When it's seen
1: multiple times and
2: stuff, it seems to be...
1: And you you and Justin have said, you know, I think on here multiple times about being, uh, what, like a one-off, you know, male that got pushed away from uh, yeah, his family and he's on his to, own.
3: Yeah, that's a lot of speculative
2: stuff. but It is, but... but yeah, it it is, is,
3: absolutely. But, you know, I mean... And anything we're talking about is speculative right, right. every you know, every I mean, aspect of this in the big in the big picture you know i mean there's no experts we're not we right. just we're theorizing and we're we're taking the things that we've heard we've heard uh, other people talk about and things that we've seen for ourselves and we're we're trying to draw a correlation right. between we're, them and and formulate our own uh, our own belief system and what we think this is and you know i mean i tend to i tend to agree that you know, the, the theory of rogue males um, being a male that was pushed out of a family unit, either because it was a troublemaker or because that's the way that they keep the, the genetic pool
1: mm-hmm. fresh. Right.
3: You know, it, it may not be because, oh, you're a horrible Bigfoot, Go. Right. right. You're I think
2: it's more Uh-oh. the latter of the, the genetic like, diversity because we see that with big cats. We see that with a lot of things we consider apexes is it the females get to stay relatively close to the the mom and or the dad's home range and well, boys got to go way far away.
1: Yeah, and if you're you know living that lifestyle they live, you know, like a pretty much a wild animal you could say, you can't be coddled by mom all the time or you know, you're not going to get too far down the road, and then your kids. You know, it's it's not a good thing. Absolutely, get pushed out. Keep everything strong.
3: You know, I think if you if you talk to people and you listen and you you absorb, I think you I think it becomes easier for you to um, to kind of wash out the the BS mm-hmm. and and the things be, you know because. Every, we're all natural beings, right? Yeah, right. We are. We are part of nature. We are. That leads into a different thing because I don't <laughs> necessarily think that we as people are from here. Um, we if if you look around, I'll get into this real quick. Um, if you look around at animals, mm-hmm. right? You look around at a beaver, a squirrel, a bird, um, bear, elk. Everything has horns. They have, uh, they have fur. They have tails. They have just animal stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just talked about this everything today. we don't have, basically. And, and when you look at us, we are the weirdest looking thing on this planet.
1: We
2: are the worst animal. Like the design, wise we,
3: we are terrible. We are terrible because we we basically destroy everything that we touch. Right um but but from the from the outset of of how we look how we behave how we do things we are we're significantly different than everything else
1: everything yeah
3: and and it's just been in the last few 5 6 years that i've i've kind of i've kind of gotten myself into a spot where i think that you know, we, we're not natural to this area and, or to this world, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll say. Um, Now, I I know that sounds crazy, but when you look at everything else outside your windows or outside your tent that, you know, that walks by or flies by and we are significantly different, you know, now the religious people will say that's because we've been given dominion over the the world by God, and it's like, okay, I get that. You know, I mean, I'm not disputing that. Mm-hmm. We have taken dominion over this world. Right. But is it is it a natural thing that we've been given dominion? <laughs> right.
1: Did we find I, it I and just I, drop I ourselves don't know in?
3: That, I don't know that we're a natural occurring thing on this world. We are now, obviously, because we yeah. breed and, and all that. But it would not surprise me at all to find out that we are are not originally from here
2: yeah, I mean I could see how that makes sense because we are slow, we are weak, our necks are super weak I' <laughs> like it, it's crazy how like badly designed we are for this environment
1: yeah
3: well what you if, know, and, and when you find when you find fossil records of of the closest thing to us that is that has been buried in the ground for thousands of years. They're significantly different than us.
4: Oh yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: What if uh you know, I mean, we as humans yeah, the framework you know, the frameworks all there, but we're it's just, we're significantly different than mm-hmm. that. right.
1: What if uh, we dropped down here, you know, many, many years ago and inhabited this place and the Bigfoots were the old rulers and, oh, gosh, and now they're again. now they're angry. Not angry, but they know, all right, we gotta stay away, these guys rule now.
2: Alright, on that note, they we've been Crippers of the Corn. You guys have a good night.
1: <laughs> you yeah. never know. They we're the masters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now they're that's why they hide from us. It's like there ain't much of us left. They've been one by one wiping us out. Stay away from these guys. Oh yeah. Somebody, Our time will come somebody, again. Somebody, I think most mammals needs figured to get that out. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> well, I think we've pretty well hammered the Dewey Lake story, at least. A chunk of it, and if you guys are at home yeah, want to hear yeah, the yeah, full definitely. Dewey Lake story, go to Eric. You know, uncomfortable. He's he, he has it perfect on there. And we're so we have some questions for you though before we start doing our sign off and oh, everything. Absolutely. A little
1: lightning round here, yeah. All right. So
2: we have a question that kind of comes up every monster we do- we cover. Do you think you could beat the Dewey Lake monster in a
3: fight? <laughs> Uh, this isn't a Dover our, our demon. Weapon, our,
2: you get no hand to weapons,
3: hand. Our weapons, no,
2: no weapons. Only no hand weapons,
3: to hand. hand to hand. Not even
2: a big rock or something. Nope. This isn't I'll that mountain lion guy. Man,
3: if, if that thing walked out in front of me, I'm not lying to you guys. I would, I would just, it would be running down the back. of my
1: head. <laughs> Brown pants <laughs> moment. You could throw that yeah. at it. You can there, use that.
3: There, there, I don't think there wouldn't be any fight. <laughs> there I, really wouldn't be. I think the only
2: one we've covered. That we thought we could beat in a fight was the Dover Demon.
3: I was listening to that episode. <laughs> yeah, they're they're featherweights. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> he'd punch. D- I, Justin I, I would punch it, it in, in the dust.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, the next little one is uh, what is your favorite little Debbie snack? Because the the podcast studio is full of little Debbie snacks.
1: Through your curveball.
3: Well, no, I actually dated a girl whose nickname was Little Debbie, so that <gasps> was...
1: That fact, was your favorite, favorite snack.
3: snack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good answer.
1: Do <laughs> a curveball right back. There we go. <laughs> All right.
2: And then one from me, I ask everybody, uh, what is your favorite fish?
3: What is my favorite fish? Mm-hmm. Well, that depends. Um, if we're talking about a Cajun seasoned Ooh, sounds... walleye fish sandwich. Oh. Then I would say that that would be my favorite fish sandwich. As far as uh, panfish, it's a it's a, it's a toss up between lake erie perch oh and bluegill. Oh, bluegill from yellow. northern michigan
2: okay i agree with all of those <laughs>
3: um i'm not much of a seafood uh, connoisseur connoisseur um, i like i like shrimp crab you know that kind of stuff um i really haven't had an opportunity to have um i mean i've had tuna but uh you know like the others the other stuff that's swimming around there in the, right. in the oceans i haven't had halibut uh, and whatnot I've,
2: yeah. I've eaten a lot of it, but I'll tell you, it doesn't compare much to the Great Lakes region fish.
3: Yeah, it's it's good stuff, man. I mean, especially if you're, uh, you know, up there in the northern parts where, where stuff is still really, really clean. And um, Man, I tell you, one of my favorite memories, uh, a buddy of mine that passed away uh, way too early from cancer, mm-hmm. used to go up into the, uh, the upper peninsula on the western side. Uh, above, um, above, Jesus, Wisconsin, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was a it was a town called Watersmeet and um, Bruce Crossing, and we would go to these lakes that you know might have three houses on this big ass lake. Yeah, and we'd go up there during batting season for the the bluegill and we just slay them, man, and these things were slabs. We'd have days where if <laughs> it was amazing. under nine and a half inches, we wouldn't keep them.
2: That's a good bluegill
1: day. Oh, yeah, That's it a is. good bluegill day. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
3: <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you know, and we, you know, I hope there's no DNR officers listen, but, you know, we'd go out in the morning. I'll let you know for a fact we have
2: three that and listen.
3: <laughs> and then, you know... <laughs> Maybe somebody might go out again later in the evening or whatever, but um yeah man those those fish from up north is that's can't compare it's different it's, oh yeah it's they're sweeter um the only thing I don't like about them though is uh sometimes they've they've got these little uh little black parasites inside the in the meat, yeah,
2: they're black grub,
3: yeah, and uh th- those took me a while to get past.
2: It is an odd thing out. to not, you know, to think about while you're eating. Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they they seem to be sweeter. I don't know if it's because the water is colder longer. Uh, good good stuff, though. That and I always enjoy going out on uh, Lake Erie once a year for a a perch trip.
2: Yeah, that's sometimes
3: a walleye trip, too.
2: Mm-hmm. The perch on Lake Erie, just going on a headboat and just. Oh, uh, Yep pulling up 300 perch or whatever you know that's you
1: can't it's a good it. good afternoon yeah.
3: my last trip out there i got the biggest perch of the day and it was uh right at about 14 inches no oh, that's just a... an absolute hair <laughs> a little under football. 14 inches yeah it
2: was a awesome. big perch that look like little footballs are the best thing to eat <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you can't beat them all right well i think we're going to wind down and come to a close once again where can everybody find you
3: you can find me on Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Pocketcast, anything that has a cast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, can find it. We're, we're on all the different podcast, uh, catchers, uh, podcasts, Catchers, Uncomfortable Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Uncomfortable Podcast. Um, like, subscribe, be notified every time I have a new episode. Typically, I don't think I've missed a Tuesday yet. Uh, New episodes every Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern. And uh, head over to BigFootAndBrews.com.
2: Yeah, that's what's my next one.
3: check it out and uh, get your tickets for the September 10th event in Dwajak, Michigan. It's going to be a lot of fun. You get to come out and hang out with me, yours truly. You get to hang out with Justin, Jay, Emily will be there. My kid be he'll be there. My daughter is going to have a booth there. She is she is. Oh my god, man! Wait till you see these candles. I bought I bought these molds. I'm not going to tell anybody where I got them, but I bought these molds, and they are of Bigfoot feet.
2: Oh my gosh, Emily's going to buy every one of them.
3: (laughs) And and they come up to just about the you know it's the whole foot, and then it comes up to the shin. Um, you know, just oh, the lower leg.
1: That's awesome. You're and wicked. It, it,
3: it's, they were like, they were like 32 bucks and I, I got it in the, in the mail and there was only one of them. It was a left foot. And I went back to the site and I looked and it was like $32 a foot. Oh. You gotta buy both of them to have it. Oh. she's, she's got these other, uh, these other molds that there's um, mushrooms and all kinds of stuff. And they use this herbal tea that's covered with wax. So it looks like dirt and uh, and grass and stuff, and she's making these amazing candles that are going to be, you know, Sasquatch flavored and <laughs> scented. Um, I told her, I told her for sure for pranks. I said you got to make one that's going to be the skunk ape and have to smell say, yeah, dead I animal. Said, somebody guarantee you somebody's going to buy it. Oh, I'll buy it to like give it to somebody. It's, it's <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's going to have a table there with a lot of her stuff. Uh, it's it's great to have the whole family kind of getting involved. That with is this awesome. thing.
1: Yeah, that is awesome. Uh,
3: The the whole show is going to be, the whole day is going to be littered with um, guests from my show as well. Not only the speakers, but Angel from uh, the one episode I had, she had an experience in the Unitop Basin where um, she had this thing run around her campsite in in, like no time flat. And she literally wet herself because she was so scared. Um, She's going to be there. Um, Jill, who you know from the Bigfoot conference that we were yeah. just at? She was she was on the right hand side of me. Oh
4: yeah, yep. um, her Ziegler, had some she, similar things. She's going to
3: be there. She's going to be my uh, she's going to be my floater. She's going to be making sure that everybody's being taken care of and getting everything they need. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Jeff Gendron, uh, one of my guests from a couple of episodes, he's going to be there. Uh, he's actually sponsored the uh, the the show with a, a really nice gift to to get it off the ground. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- there's going to be, and I think I, what I'm going to do is end up having lanyards with uh, anybody who's been a guest on the show. So if people recognize, it's like, oh, hey, that was the the guy from you know episode 37, and you want to go over and talk to him they'll they'll be available. To oh, that, and that's, and that's a to good idea. With yeah. You. So it's kind of gonna kind of gonna turn into a hopefully a, a best of uncomfortable in honor of the Dewey Lake monster. So that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome.
2: That's awesome. I can't wait. So I we really can't wait? Yeah. Looking
3: forward to well, that weekend. We had a we had a great time with you guys just two weekends ago here in in uh up there in Ohio and can't say enough about you guys. You're friendly as hell and oh,
4: just don't make uh, me blush,
3: you know, <laughs> Well, you know, I mean I mean there's a considerable age difference between you and I, but you know, it really doesn't matter because we're we're into the same thing. Mm-hmm. We talk about the same stuff. Um, just good people. Yeah. And uh, that's what I have I have decided late in life to surround myself with nothing but good people and keep the negative energies out. And uh,
5: I
1: think that's a good way to.
3: Well, since I better late have than been never. Going well, since I did that. So.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <clears throat> that's awesome. I can, I, re- I really really can't wait.
3: I'm yeah. I'm yeah, stoked. I'm,
2: Looking
1: forward I'm, to it. I'm
3: excited about it. And, and I've... you know, I, re- I really want to do a good job because I want I want the the brewery to get what they need out of it. Yeah. You know, I want people to come up show show up eat. And you know it's going to be a day long event, so you know anticipate having lunch there. We're not going to we're not going to take a hour hour and a half break between speakers because you know then you can get up out of your seat and go to McDonald's. We're mm-hmm. not going to do that. We're going to keep this thing going beginning to end. And you know when it starts getting time for dinner, we encourage you to to get your dinner there as well. So I'll yeah, definitely we be eating there to, the whole day
1: and drinking there the whole day. We, whoa, whoa, whoa. We went. Drinking water.
3: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I uh, I encourage uh, people to come out, eat their food, drink their beer, drink responsibly. Um, I was a bouncer in a previous life, so I to tolerate any <laughs> getting, out of, uh, getting out of line. But uh, I
1: think I think he's talking to you, Justin. I
3: don't know. I bounced in life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Not. We're not talking about bouncing through life. We're talking oh. about <laughs> bouncing out of Those a bar.
2: Those are different. And again I have it on the Facebook on our Facebook page. I have it pinned. Uh so the if you can if you have trouble finding the event or whatever, it is pinned to the top of our Facebook page in the features banner. I will also have it linked in the description below and I will have a link to Eric's podcast in the description below. So you should be able to find awesome. everything. Hey, yes, sir. You know what
3: I'm I'm going to I'm going to give you a special offer. Okay. For your listeners. Oh, oh okay. For your listeners. If you go, if you decide you want to go to this, and, and it's only probably what uh three and a half hour drive from you guys? Right on the nail. Four hour maybe?
1: Yep, no, three and a half? Okay,
3: three and a half hours. So if you decide that you would like to join us at Bigfoot and Bruce, if you go to Bigfootandbrews.com to purchase your tickets, there is a code that you can enter in for a discount on your tickets. And that code is S L. B, C, twenty two. That'll give you five bucks off your ticket.
1: Oh, That's awesome!
2: Awesome. Thank you. We'll
1: so. we'll tease that at the top of the show. Maybe maybe we'll put in a little blurb. If you listen, you stick listen
2: to stick, the stick to the end. Oh well, no, you got you don't tell them where it is.
1: Oh, okay, good idea. You gotta make them hunt for it. Yeah, okay.
2: I had a chunk of my like, roof fall off for this Jesse. episode.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh!
2: What were you saying, Eric? I'm sorry.
3: I just said I like the way you think, Justin. Oh, yeah, make you got to make hunt them hunt for, for it. it and make them, make them, at the very end. If you don't listen all the way through, you ain't getting
2: it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, Eric, we've had a blast with you tonight. We, yep. we so greatly Absolutely. appreciate you. And we can't wait for the event. And like I said, I'll have all the links in the description below to get to everything and get to Eric Uncomfortable. And it's, it's a great podcast. But Emily mate, told me that. to have to say... If you listen to Eric, just don't fill up on bread. Make sure you come back. <laughs> Emily didn't get to be here, so she said I had to say it at some point. But, no, Eric's great. I, so, love, I love Uncomfortable. It's a great podcast. Definitely, everybody.
4: Awesome. Hmm.
3: Thank, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show, too. I wish you guys all the best. And, uh, hey, stay Uncomfortable. Oh,
5: here
2: we go. (laughs) All right, guys. I've been the mysterious Justin. I've been the
1: infamous Jay.
0: You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical.
3: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.